Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, March the 25th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say, Mr. Bob Ryan, and on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hola. All right, guys. We are here all together to talk about comic books and comic book-like stuff. Um, Hmm. First of all, I want to give a... Huge happy birthday to Mr. Bob Ryer, oh, one of our so, panelists. Thank you so much. <laughs> you may <Yay>! know him. <laughs> you may have heard of him. You, know <laughs> you may heard him, have heard him before. Um, so big happy birthday to you, Bob. Thank you much. Um, We're sharing some lovely Lagunitas Pale Ale. Yes. delicious. Yeah, yes. they're really good, right? I know I've had it before, but it tastes different. Yeah. Uh, when, are you, um, when is your Chuck E. Cheese birthday? <laughs> what does that mean exactly? <laughs> uh, no, I'm meaning. One, uh, are you having your birthday at Chuck E. Cheese this year? Oh no, no, no! no. I, I I gave that up for Lent. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it it used to be Adventureland here on the island, which they made a movie about years and years ago. But that's you know, I'm not 12 anymore. So, did you know that the guy who Nolan Bushnell, who founded Atari, also founded Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> It was one of my trivia questions last month. Oh. I'm, I'm actually very steamed at them. I don't know if anyone saw the ad. Chuck E. Cheese? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> really. I'm serious. They had an ad out. Are you I, I was, at them? No. Yeah, very hey nicely now. done. <laughs> I was actually carrying their Sunday ad around for weeks, figuring we, I could talk about it on the show, and we got into other topics. Mm. They had this ad where, you know, plan your kid's birthday party across the top of the page. On the left-hand side of the page... Your daughter can be a princess. Your son can be a superhero. What? <laughs> Wait, oh, time out. Daughter can't be a superhero? She can only be a princess? What the Chuck bleepity is bleep is that? Place, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 don't think, I don't think you need to... Uh, they're kind of stuck in their ways, but they're also in yeah. pretty much an obsolete. Yeah, <laughs> they're a little too concerned about their uh, their color coded stamps for who belongs to what yeah, child. Exactly from all the uh, child thieving that's gone on over the years. <laughs> yeah, a couple of kids have gotten lost in that ball pit, I'm sure, and gone, yeah, like, gone home with somebody else. And then they charge you way too much for shitty pizza. Oh, that pizza's the worst. Oh, it's like Elio's caught fire. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You might as well have just a cardboard box with sauce. <laughs> it's about as good as it is. Bet you didn't know we were going to slam Chuck E. Cheese on today's show. <laughs> we don't stand back from controversy yeah, on this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, go exactly. right for it. There was no controversy. We made controversy. <laughs> I saw a like side-by-side comparison of the Chuck E. Cheese mascot throughout the years, mm-hmm. and they've been around for a while now. Yeah. And just the way it looks like plastic surgery for mice. <laughs> <laughs> just like his cheeks keep getting bigger. And oh, man, that place creeps me out. Yeah, it's a pretty creepy place. It's like yeah. what they do with Barbies, and their eyes just keep getting bigger. 
oh, terrifying. I went there. I brought my nieces there like two years ago, and it was a really weird experience. But that's Chuck E. G's. Yeah. This is Talking Comics. It's like yes. in the only one we have around here is like in that weird shopping center by Sunrise Highway. Yeah. That's the one I went to. There's like nothing else there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's like in a very bad place. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because the, the, the parents, like they, they set their kids loose in the play area, mm-hmm. like in the little arcade, and then they'll go and they'll sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. and they'll play on their phones or whatever. And because like at the time, uh, my niece was, I think like one and a half, maybe two years old. I had to like get in there. Like I had to follow her around to each obstacle and whatever game she wanted to play and the whole bit. So I ended up watching like nine different children throughout the time that we were there. Good for you, Uncle Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was fun, but it was just, it was amazing. They're like, they're like you got this, right? Like, you're going to be hanging here for a couple of minutes? I'm like, yeah. Um, watching this one here. Who are you? And they're like, oh, I'll just be, I'll just be a couple minutes. But you don't even know me. I don't even have the same wristband as your child. They don't care about the wristbands. You're good, no, with, you're good with kids. I am good with kids. Mm. So there you go. They can oh. sense that. <laughs> yeah. Kids, yeah people, kids especially can. At the Comic-Con this weekend, like people would just be like, can you watch my booth for a couple minutes? Like People I like, don't know, <laughs> like I've never mm-hmm. met, they're like, yeah, do you think you could do that? And I'm like, I'm a stranger. You're leaving <laughs> your money and all of your goods with me. Do you really think that's a good idea? I mean, I'm not going to take anything, so you've made a good decision, but maybe... Maybe no strangers. You have one of those faces. <laughs> they've seen you around all the other shows, and you were at other tables. So, what could you possibly do except sell off, you know, rare artwork and books and <laughs> have your own yard sale? It was true. It was like a jewelry person too, though. So, like, I don't mm. know. All right, hmm. cool. Were you standing in for the artist? You're like, I'm Lionel. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. I was actually a guest paquette. <laughs> this weekend so hmm. they'd be like this isn't where Yannick's table is be like the table is where I say it is <laughs> I am guest paquette <laughs> so that that could have been fun what is your strangest stand in ooh like who I've had to it, yeah Im- imitate or be at their table and say here is so and so's stuff oh I don't know that's a good question I can't, like, hmm. I've had, like, maybe, like, Andrew Peepoy or something. Like, I don't know. But this weekend I got asked to work for Neil Adams, too. And that would have been. That would be pretty strange. Yes, I am Neil Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you how great I am. Yeah, you're not nearly as as cranky and self-absorbed, though I love Neil. Let me tell you about tectonic plates for three hours. Yeah. And how science is most definitely not my friend. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have to think of that and come back to that. How was the con, Stephanie? It was good. I, I, I went on Friday, Saturday, and then I stayed at my friend's place on Saturday night and uh, went for like an hour on Sunday. And there was this girl dressed up as Navi. And... Uh, like, her costume was really great, and I was about to take a picture. She was, like, adjusting herself and kind of just, like, fixing up her costume. And I was, like, waiting until she was all done, and I was going to be like, hey, can I get a photo? And um, she finished and then started going, hey, listen, hey, over here, follow me, hey. And for the entire day, this little blonde pipsqueak of a girl just screeched at the top of her lungs. And I was like... I was going to get a picture of this Navi I posted on Twitter, except 
like as soon as she started talking, I was like, nope, bye. <laughs> um, and then all of these artists that were at the convention were like, oh my God, I almost killed her. Um, <laughs> all these people were like, she did it all day. And apparently she went on Twitter and was like, oh, well, I guess you don't appreciate me being in character. Like, whatever. God, it's like you, no one here has ever played Zelda, I guess. And we were like, she's super annoying in the game. Yeah. We don't need you to be, like, in real life, too. And I'd be at the other end of the convention, and I could hear her still going, hey, listen. <laughs> um, it was just appalling. But th- She's there was taking actually, the like, Daniel Day-Lewis approach. Yeah, yeah method. <laughs> being happy. Um, yeah. There was like some super amazing cosplay, though. Uh, I saw like Over the Garden Wall. Um, it was amazing. It was like the the girl that was dressed up as the little brother looked like exactly like him. It was so eerie. Um, and like people are still favoriting it. Like apparently a lot of people really like Over the Garden Wall. I do too. It's great. But... Uh, there was an amazing Angela cosplay, um, all kinds of really cool stuff. And uh, I saw that dude that has the thing on his forehead from Stargate at the bar. Oh, Teal? <laughs> yeah. We thought he was homeless at first. <laughs> standing around in like a really like grubby hoodie. And like we were like, oh, he's going to get kicked out of the bar for like lurking here. And then we're like, oh, no, he's a celebrity. Oh, it was actually him. Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. He He's my like favorite character in the SG-1. He was actually the actor. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool show. It was like small. Um, I mean, it wasn't small, but like in terms of artists and stuff, um, it was a lot of people that are from Toronto. So it's like a uh, big deal to like fans and stuff who kind of don't see them around at events and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was still like a lot of fun. Uh, I I just like crashed at a lot of tables and bought some amazing art from Scott Hepburn, one page of which is Bob's birthday present. That's going to be amazing. Um, I got some like really cool stuff from them. And then I just stumbled on all these amazing artists and got these incredible commissions. Um, my friend Adam Gorham, he, uh, he did an issue of Zero. I think he's doing some work for Valiant and he has an upcoming webcomic coming out. But he did a Princess Mononoke for me. That's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got like uh, forget what his last name is. His name's Janoy, uh, or his first name is named Janoy. That was a weird sentence. Anyways, he did a Batgirl for to Genoi, me. Yeah, I got two um, Captain Marvels. They were like display copies. They were like get a commission for me that looks like like you know they're giving an example of what like they're for like twenty bucks you can get. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I just buy that? And they're like, okay. I was like, cool, thanks. Um, and I got a spider Gwen. Um, all kinds of cool stuff that I have no room for at all. But uh, Sure you do. I, plenty of wall space in there, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to just remodel my place and just start putting frames absolutely everywhere, including the ceiling. My landlord's going to hate me. Um, I found a really cool book, too, that I'm hopefully going to talk about in the next uh, couple of weeks. Next week, not so much because I won't be on the show because of Emerald City, but um, maybe the week after. It involves robots. Well, that's good right away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a comic book to me. Yep. It's like a comic book kids book. Um, So 
I, I'm excited. It looks like Portal meets like the Iron Giant or something like that. Nice. I love both of those things. Yeah. Very much. I, I was like, I, I didn't even really read any of it. I just saw the art and I was like, okay, how much? So, <laughs> uh, so nice. I, I got a lot of stuff. Con's really good. And I only spent an excessive amount of money. Good thing Emerald City isn't this week. <laughs> yep. And good thing they don't have every single person that I want commissions from also at Emerald City. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> Phew. Dodged All right, well. <laughs> Trade. You just have to barter with them. That's all. Keep going. Do you accept? Yeah. I'll watch your table. <laughs> yeah. um, or what's left of mine? Oh. No, mm-hmm. oh, don't say aw. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've come to terms with it, Bob. Okay. <laughs> Does uh? Did anybody else watch iZombie? Yes. Yes, I did. Nice. So Stephanie, good. you read the books, right? Yeah. I think I don't think Steve, you didn't have read the books, right? I read the first. Four issues? Okay, so you've read some of it. Yeah. Okay, because I had no frame of reference at all for it. Okay. Um, Stephanie, wh- wh- what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um, it. It really kind of is just zombie Veronica Mars, but with that being said, it still has a lot of the charm that the comics did. Um, mm-hmm. The show is very, very different. Um, the character's name is different. What she does is different. Uh, and the only thing that's really kind of left from the comics is the basic framework. It's kind of more of a guideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, it works. And Mike Allred does the opening credits and um, like the little cutscene things. And they're so great. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he did such a bang up job of doing that. Like we didn't expect something like that from Mike Allred. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I thought that, uh, what's her name? Rose McIver. Yes. She was excellent. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think it's off to a really great start. And tonight, second episode episode is airing. Um, so after we are done with podcasting, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. They have to mm-hmm. put like every comic book show in the world on on Tuesday. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, it's like the day. Geek night, Everything except right? for Arrow. <laughs> yeah. Everything except for Arrow is on Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> did you see The Flash last week? I did. <sighs> so good. It was pretty awesome. Um, what do you think of iZombie, Steve? I enjoyed it. Uh, exactly what Stephanie said. It's Veronica Mars with zombie uh, elements to it, but I'm completely and totally fine with that. The people, if somebody else was trying to make that show, it might not work as well, but because that arena worked so well for the creators and for the people running it, they know how to, like they already know the rhythm of that kind of song so you're getting like really really good chemistry between the characters i really liked the partnership i cannot remember anybody's name even the main character but the main character yeah. and live yeah. live and who is the the cop dude that she got paired up with the like the newbie babado babado yeah wow like babado, um, but less scary yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of enjoying. I've noticed that, um, like with shows like Sleepy Hollow and a couple of things, that these cop shows, particularly younger cops on television, are a little bit more laid back these days, and they're funny, and they they the writers allow them to be funny even in the face of like danger or or high tensiony moments. Um, I don't know how much longer she's going to be able to hide her condition from people, but that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it was cool. I, I want to, it was a pilot episode. I would like to see a little bit of work done with the family members like that. 
aspect of things didn't really gel with me. It was much more the solving the mysteries and, and running around and, and, you know, talking about what exactly she can and can't do uh, was the bulk of the fun of well, it for me. But I'm totally up for watching more of it. I really enjoyed it. That was like one of the things that really changed from the comic to the TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to spoil the comic for anyone, and I don't think this is spoilers, but, like, um, when she becomes a zombie, she just completely cuts herself off from everyone. Like, everyone thinks she's dead. Yeah. Um, so, like, she doesn't really have that problem where she has to learn how to interact with her friends and family mm-hmm. because for her, she's kind of just like, well, they think I'm dead. Cool beans. Bye. <laughs> Although not really cool beans, but, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I think that uh, I mean I love Veronica Mars, and so that that tone mm-hmm. is, is something I really like. And there isn't really another show I think that I watch on TV that has this kind of tone to it. You know, it's it it has bite in the humor, but it's very energetic and it's quirky and it's funny and and, and um it just like the, the same way as Veronica Mars was, and so. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, and you know, Rob Thomas has made a few shows since Veronica Mars, and none of them have clicked uh, for me the way that Veronica Mars ever did. And this one is one that's come closest so far. Um, yeah, after you know, it's only one episode, but I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I maybe want to go back and just at least check out the comic and see the differences for myself. Yeah, uh, because I did really enjoy what what was brought uh, to the screen, and. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the relationship between those kind of three main characters is really fun and, and good, um, and I like when they subvert things. So I like the fact that this you know her boss at the place you know happens like in the first two minutes of the episode or whatever knows that she's a zombie and doesn't care. Well, right. he cares, but he just like he thinks it's amazing. You know, he's, he just, he's interested <laughs> rather than being afraid. Exactly, and I oh. I like that about it. You know, I, I like that aspect of it. Um, you know, I, I think that they introduce a couple interesting things about like a larger story that that is going to be happening, which I like as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what what comes of it. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a really fun uh, first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very solid week for comic book TV across the board this week. Shield was very good. I didn't get to see that. Yet. Um, Flash was very good. I thought Arrow was very good. So Gotham. I don't. Well, I don't watch Gotham. I think Gotham's on break for right <laughs> oh, okay. now. I, think Gotham yeah, I haven't seen an episode in about two weeks. Dead to me a long weeks. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do not watch Gotham, so no, I don't know. I've seen all over the internet. The Trickster is coming back. The Flash, yeah, that's yep. Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark Hamill is playing the Trickster. Um, he's gonna be. He's in jail though, and there, there's like a younger mm. guy who's like kind of taking over the mantle, and they go to him sort of as like a Hannibal Lecter type of wow. character <laughs> to to figure out what's going on. So yeah. Now, is John Wesley Ship still in jail? He was when the show began. Yes, the he's still one in jail. or two that I watched. Yeah. yeah. We haven't seen him in a few episodes. Ward? Or? No. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Dad. I thought we were still talking no, about No, his you. dad. Uh, but yes. Yes. <laughs> also, him too. Different show, but yes. Um, That's true. We yeah, haven't, we haven't seen, seen him. Barry's dad um, in, in a while on the show. but. And he knows, right? Yeah, he knows. Okay. That, the last time he saw him, he was in that hospital because he got like in a fight with that other inmate or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those, like, when the like parent parental figures are, are talking to the to the person that is the hero mm-hmm. and they're just they're giving them the wink without yeah. necessarily doing so but they're what they're talking to them about is very revealing yeah and just like i know son <laughs> run uh, as fast as you can yeah uh so cool yeah good 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 week for comic book tv shows let's talk about some comics comics though steve why don't you start us off here sure lightning round you have three minutes sir 
Go. I'm only gonna need two and a half. <laughs> um, so I finally got to check out the fade out from Ed Brubaker and uh, Sean Phillips on art. And I read the first issue a couple of months back, and now this is the uh, first collected trade. And it was it was interesting. It was good. Like when the issue first came out, this is very like a like a. Uh, Hollywood Radioland murders kind of thing where a writer that's working on a film, the lead actress uh, gets killed and the company that's in charge of the film is they're covering it up and they're looking to just move on with production, replace the actress and get the ball going and whatnot. Only as you get farther into the issues and farther into the story, the murder begins to get bigger and Charlie, the main character is starting to discover just how corrupt uh, this studio and its players are. Uh, This volume is very much a setting up the character's arc more than it is pushing the story along and pushing like the intrigue of the murders along. Uh, You kind of find out a couple of things about the studio itself and how it's laid out that are making things a little bit more suspicious uh, as far as where people can be and when, so there's a you know there's a there's a really good air of mystery about it. Um, if it's a little slow, but still very good, very intriguing. Um, all the all the characters are really well developed. Um, but speaking of really super well developed characters, uh, a couple months back, Stephanie brought the series Copperhead to our attention from Image Comics, and this is from. Uh, Jay, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Jay Faber is the writer, and Scott Godlewski is on art, and Ron Riley on colors, and Thomas Maurer on letters. This book, uh, this is the first trade, volume one. This was awesome. Uh, Stephanie talked about it hilariously a while back. If you guys can go back and find that podcast, you really should listen to it if you haven't, because it was hysterical. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this. Really quick, it's about a uh, female. Uh, that comes to town with her son in tow. She becomes the sheriff of this place called Copperhead. And she is just in charge from the moment that she arrives. No crap. She just, you know, you address me as the sheriff. You now take orders from me. If you have a problem with that, you can get out of here. Um, She pretty much gets involved in a multiple homicide at a place on the outskirts of town. And an investigation then follows Uh, What's so amazing about this book, I think, is the story is really intriguing and really good. You got um, kind of like this black part of the planet where people live and these like dark, nasty things are. And what do they have to do with the murders and whatnot? But what this book really does well is its characters. I'm super interested in learning more about them. How did I run out of so much time? Sometimes when you, when, you, when you get cocky and you think you have all the time in the world, damn it, you end up running out of time. You guys should check out Copperhead. <laughs> the art's beautiful. Characters are outstanding. I'm I'm dying to read more issues of it. It's uh, sci-fi, crazy good. And um, man, if I had more time, I'd tell you more stuff. <laughs> but I don't. Just one trade out on that so far. Yeah, I believe there's maybe an issue or two. I don't know what number because I haven't been I haven't been collecting it. I was I was was waiting. that dupe I just saw? No, they they are the <laughs> some of the aliens are very dupe like. Um, <laughs> there's a there's an adjective we don't hear. Yeah. but like I said, like it's a it's a one of those books where immediately you feel like the world is realized and there's a lot more going on and just sometimes characters are just characters and they're just there to push the story along. 
each person that you meet in Copperhead has a lot of substance to them and kind of brings like their own gravity to the situation. And there's like five or six main characters or main players in the story so far and just really, really well defined. You know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, by the end of this trade, you're you're I don't know how you couldn't be pulled in. Yeah. Right. So really, really solid stuff. I loved it. Cool. Bob, you ready? Okie dokie. All right, you have three minutes, and go. Well, we're going to start with Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number six, which has been my favorite Avengers title, and it's rocketing its way toward its finale in this action-packed tale. Al Ewing and Luke Ross, it doesn't skimp on the fun, despite some high-stakes shenanigans from beyond. Ooh, (laughs) scary beyonder people, kids, right? This one's what Count Floyd on SCTV is called a thriller. <laughs> and speaking of thrilling things, I like that segue. Storm number nine, where Aurora finds herself in a caper with Gambit. So thank you, Barney. I mentioned Gambit. <laughs> and it's a very Raiders esque issue as they're trying to find a treasure from the Temple of Hermes before the Thieves Guild gets at it. It's it's kind of a take a catch your breath issue after all the stuff Storm's been going through lately, but it's really lovely and to have a two on sort of thing really just nicely done sadly this is another series of mine that's going to end before it really should <laughs> but a new series silk number two this is just as solid as the first issue robbie thompson continues to weave past and present together you get to really understand what cindy moon went through before where she is now where this could all lead and what can you say about the artwork by by stacy lee and ian herrings this is just spectacular it's fun, but with consequence, and it's dark when it needs to be. Just a just a heck of a mixture. And speaking of mixtures of weird things, I'm segueing like mad here. <laughs> it's Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number three, where uh, Doreen and Tippy, fresh from their trip to the moon in barred Iron Man armor, <laughs> now have to have some very uh, superheroic problems. How do you stop a bank robbery and go to the moon and punch out Galactus at the same time? It's hard to do unless you have a suit of squirrels. And until you've seen that image, you'll you'll just. <laughs> okay. I, I cannot believe that I forgot to read that. I won't say anything more about that. Just like Erica Henderson, Ryan North are killing with a book called Squirrel Girl, and you can't ask for more than that. Finish up here with Batgirl number forty. This is the best issue so far of this series to me. Agreed. The all the mysteries, all the things bubbling up underneath, and it picks up directly from Secret Origins 10. If people miss that one, you better go get it before it's very expensive. It's all there. There's consequence. There's drama, mystery, reconnections with other characters. I don't want to spoil some stuff here. What a great way to wind up. The real sad fact is, though, there won't be another Batgirl until June because, well, events. (laughs) <laughs> Convergence is in the way, and I want to read more Batgirl. But thankfully, there was another Batgirl. Oh, you got that other cover? I got the Prince Purple Rain cover. Oh, you lucky and, dog. And read it while blasting Purple Rain at six <laughs> in the morning. So I hope my neighbors didn't mind too much. That's about it for me. If they did. They're not human beings. That's right. Nice. All right. One of these days, Bob, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how you do your lightning round like that. It's easy. He times it re- himself. It really is. No, I know that if I fill a paper with scribble, mm-hmm. it's three minutes at my normal reading pace. <laughs> Here you go. All right, <laughs> Stephanie, you ready? Sure. All right, you have three minutes and. Girl. I'll make notes of my notes. Spider Woman 5. You guys asked me about it last week and I hadn't read it yet, so I got to it. And I liked the art. 
but the colors were weird. Um, I don't know. I so disagree with you so much on that. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> no, Thrice. she looked so weird. Like the colors are good, but like the faces are wrong. Like she looks like she has so much makeup on. I couldn't it's, disagree with you more. I couldn't oh. disagree with you more. <laughs> I couldn't stop staring at it. It was so weird. But um, I really, really like the new costume, and I think that what she's trying to do uh, with the street level thing is a lot of fun, even though she's absolutely terrible at it. I really hate those glasses, though. Those, like, sunglasses things that look like... The blue blocker. Oakleys from, like, the 90s. Um, hate it. But I thought that the issue was really good, and I'm definitely on board to check out more now that uh, the, the tie-in stuff is over with. Um, Bob, you mentioned Silk Number 2, but I just wanted to say it continues to be completely worth everyone's time. Stacy Lee's yeah. art makes the series for me. Cindy's story feels so personal. I feel really, really drawn to the character and what she's going through. Can't get over how much I'm enjoying it. Um, and like, it, it still just shocks me that this wasn't even on my radar until it hit stands. Um, Invisible Republic number one. Uh, great art, great neutral tones that depict depict <laughs> the bleak times on this planet of Avalon. I, I think it's, it's a planet. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, it's a moon. But yes, it's a, um, a journalist is trying to find out about the past, uh, what's gone on before, and accidentally stumbles upon something even bigger than he intended. Um, it's an interesting start to the series. From uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco. I thought it was really, really excellent. Um, and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl was great. I finally read New Rat Queens number nine. Um, the art is taking a little bit more getting used to than I thought it would. Uh, it feels very, like, I, I really, really like, I'm not even going to try and say his name. Step on Shay. But, like, he, his art just, there's panels where it's gorgeous. And then sometimes where it feels like he's just scribbled it out. And those are the panels that take me out of the book. Um, his, his, his lines are just so jagged at times. I don't know. I, I, I want to love it. I'm going to keep trying. Um, eight number two was amazing. I really, really like this series. If you aren't reading it, check it out. Um, and I think think that's it for things that oh shaper number one also really good i read that it was really interesting love it i want to read more dark horse that was pretty good awesome that was exactly three minutes <laughs> uh, i know bobby was reading uh invisible republic yeah i was um you know it was one of the last things i actually read um because i picked it up the night of the, they came out and i kind of thumbed through it and i was i was like i i read the first like first page and i was like it's just like a I just feel like this like sinking feeling. I was like, it's another dystopian future story. And, you know, you get a lot of those, obviously. And then I was like, you know, but I want to read it because I knew Stephanie was excited about it. So I figured she'd want to talk about it. So I was like, let me let me read it. And then um, once I got into it, um, I, I was completely kind of blown away by what by what was happening in it. Um, there's a great framing device. Like Stephanie was mentioning mm -hmm. what kind of the, the reporter finds um, that, that sends him kind of deep deeper down the rabbit hole. And well, I think the way that he finds it is a little bit suspect. <laughs> um, uh, what what comes of it, I think, is is really great. Um, and I, I love the way they frame it, and and the world is very well fleshed out uh, because of it. 
And I really love the art. I think the art is gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. stunning to look at. Now, I read through it just before mm-hmm. we came on the air, and I, I'll echo everything you said there. Mm-hmm. I really love the, I, the flashback structures. Just in, in movies, comics in general, I love the way it plays out here, though, in a sort of different way. Yeah. The, you're getting what the society is about through sort of news broadcast and little things behind while other things are happening in the foreground. So you're getting two stories gone at once. There's so much information mm-hmm. that you're not left, well, what just happened? No, it's there. You just may have to go back, but yeah. it's there. Art's amazing. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun. This is I, I'm probably going to trade weight, but I think I'd want to read where this story goes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 8 was also uh, really good, Stephanie. I read that as well. Yeah. And, and, and thought it was very good. Um, it, it's weird because the first issue is so economical in the way it tells its story. And this one is much more stuffed with, with, mm. with things. You know, it has a lot more dialogue, a lot more story beats, and it bounces around a lot more than that, than that first issue did. Um, so... It's definitely one of those things where you kind of have to be in for the series, I think, to, to, to be in for it. But uh, another really great issue. I agree with you totally, Stephanie. Um, really cool series from, from Dark Horse. All right. Let's do my, uh, my three minutes here and go. All right. So we've got Chrononauts, number one, uh, from uh, Mark Miller and Sean Murphy. Uh, you know, I was excited to read it. Uh, I, I think the art is gorgeous in it. But the story to me did not really super connect. It, it was... It, We'll talk about this, I think, a little bit after we finish this my, my lightning round here. But the the time travel aspect of it didn't feel um, special enough to me. Uh, and, and if that's you know, not every story has to feel special, but then the characters have to be really interesting. Whatever, mm-hmm. it just did not grab me and anything else. But I thought the art by Sean Murphy was amazing. Uh, Frankenstein Underground number one. Uh, this is uh, Mike Magnolia and uh, Ben Stenbeck. Uh, with Dave Stewart on colors and surprise another book from the Hellboy universe is is excellent uh, <laughs> it was really really good the art was great and I had a ton of fun reading it uh, the Frankenstein character who I haven't, I haven't read enough Hellboy to come across him um, was great uh, cool. and, and a lot of fun to read so and it, I, I didn't feel like confused I'm sure I'm missing stuff but I didn't feel like I was missing anything so I, I did really enjoy that just as good as not missing it exactly yeah absolutely um, and then really like these last two books I'm going to talk about and plus my book of the week were so close to all being my book of the week uh, Batgirl Endgame uh, number one the, the one shot yeah. uh, uh, Brendan uh, Brendan Fletcher uh, Cameron Stewart and uh, Bengal on art uh, what an awesome issue uh it's a, yeah. you know, I don't want to, again, I, I did the same thing on Comics and Coffee. I don't want to spoil, like, what the thing is about the issue because mm-hmm. I was surprised by it. I didn't know that's what it was before I read it. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that it's, it's a really brave choice. It, I think it could blow up in your face. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just great. I know. Um, and I think that it's such a special way to tell a story and it makes a tie in something unique that's not like every other issue of the book. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, Divinity number two, uh, I want to speak about. This is another valiant comic book. Uh, this series, I love the first issue. It was my book of the week uh, a, a month ago. This series is awesome. Uh, the, the writing by Matt Kint is great. Um, the art, which I, I want to give full credit to, by Trevor Hairsign, Her- I think, um, is how you say his name, is, is really fantastic. It's really heady and out there and deals with some really big, big concepts. Um, and in this issue, though, uh, it finally begins to, not finally like it's only a second issue, but it begins to tie back in to the overall Valiant universe. We see characters showing up who we've seen before, um, and in the context of who they are in the universe and how they appeared before, it totally makes sense that they're kind of on the front lines here. But great alien story, great, you know, Cold War story, great, 
you know, which is a really, uh, and some great allegory there. I, I really, really love it. It's the standout thing. I love Ninjak last week was awesome and it was fun, but this is one of those things where it's just like, it takes it a level above, I, I think, wow. that. So this is really, really great stuff. Uh, that's Divinity number two uh, from Valiant. Your Valiant journey continues. It does. It does. I'm reading the new stuff. I'm not even reading the old stuff anymore right now, so uh, it's pretty great. Nice. All right. Yeah. I want to jump in real quick on the Batgirl Endgame. Yeah. I've got a page open here. We, I don't want to say too mm. much because we are going to leave this alone. That is in just an old-fashioned grid speaks so much to what Barbara Gordon's about. Old Universe, New 52, I don't care which one it is. Just her interactions with this character she has to do something for. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to not ruin it. <laughs> but it is just scary at one level, charming at another, and ultra-heroic. Mm-hmm. And all in one, two, five, eight panels. Hmm. Yeah. What I like about it is that it... It shows that Barbara, and she showed up for a, a little bit in one of the actual Batman issues that's, that's endgame specific, but um, it shows that she's still part of this bigger universe. She's just, it's not her main focus anymore, but when she's needed, she's still, she's still there uh, mm. to help out. And I liked that a lot. And uh, really great job on art. I mean, Bengal's art is just gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous stuff. She, um, she shows up quite a bit in Batman Eternal as well. Okay. So she's she's involved yeah. in that, and she's in her new outfit and the whole bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, I was showing this to someone at, at the comic store, and it was Bengal. Who is Be- <laughs> it's Bengal? And trust me, and I mm. opened it up and started showing him the penalty. Went, oh, I'm buying that. <laughs> I just have to own that. And yeah. It just is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Great. Those the the orange the like the burnt oranges and stuff like that. Too. Yeah. Great coloring as well. Yeah. As the city burns behind, it's it's all backlit. Yeah. It's just really beautifully beautifully done. Yeah. Absolutely. Great, great, I agree. great, great yeah. issue. Um, so jumping off of Chrononauts really quick before we kind of start talking about more of our, our, our books of the week, um, I mentioned the time travel story and how kind of the lack of, I guess, uniqueness in that story uh, is what I guess I didn't really, didn't really latch on to. And I wanted to ask, like, what, see, did you read Chrononauts, by the way? I didn't. Okay. I had it. And then I it dawned on me that Millard is also the person that put out Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. And how Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter's legacy. Sorry. Jupiter Ascending is the That's right. I keep I, movie. I did that last Wednesday as well when I was talking about <laughs> the book. Um yeah, Rob was like, Hey, do you remember how often um Jupiter's came out? And mm-hmm. I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> same guy. I went, Nope. <laughs> um I yeah, I didn't wanna I didn't want to pick it up get like get really into it and then not see another issue for four months mm-hmm. i don't know that that's going to happen but i didn't even want to i didn't even want to bother I, th- I, f- I feel like that might have been more the fault of frank quietly than oh yeah I could, it could totally yeah. not be a thing that happens yeah. at all especially since chronauts already has been picked up for a, a film option yes it has what already yes yeah yeah and yeah. there's another the uh, film announcement if i may really quick uh, Joe Kelly is penning the I Kill Giants major motion picture. Thank oh. you very much, comic gods. <laughs> You've been listening and answered my prayers. Are we animated or live action? Live action. I'm gonna be live action. Um, wow. I actually spoke to him at Comic-Con about this for quite some time, so I've kind of known about this a little bit. Not the details by any means whatsoever, but the ideas and kind of he was shopping it around for a while and what he was offered from other studios and other people that were interested were not what he wanted. So he's been waiting and he finally, he's found the people that he wants to do it and he's able to get his ideas because there was going to be the studio he was previously involved in. There was going to be one major change 
that mm-hmm. to me, I, I, I gave him a face. Like I looked at him and I went, really? And he's like, that's exactly why we're not doing it. So can we scroll back time enough to have Chloe Grace Moretz play? Uh, <laughs> because wouldn't that be awesome? I would have preferred her or even like Haley Steinfeld or something oh, yeah, like that. True Grit. She yes. would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, he's got really big plans uh, for the movie and it's going to try to stay as true to the book as possible. Uh, he is writing it. So love that. Yeah. The, he's got a really good team behind it. I'm super, super yeah. excited. Uh, Stephanie, you were saying something about I think about the Chrononauts movie. Oh no, that it just like the same day I think it came out, it got optioned. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the same thing with that happened with Descender, the Lemire book. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still surprise. M- Miller, like, it feels like everything he writes gets optioned for something at this point. And uh, um, today they announced that Captain Marvel has been cast. Well, it was a rumor. Well, they, they announced that the casting has been like confirmed, but nobody knows who it is. Yeah, it's yes. a site that is very often correct. Yeah, we'll just yeah. leave it. You know, yeah. Latino Review is very close to yes. the action, generally speaking. Big rumor that she'll show up in Age of Ultron. But that yes. was that was like a long time ago. Everyone said that it was I like, like I started it. Actually, yeah, no, it re popped up this past <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah, like today that 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 would be the case. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, but speaking of going back to Chronauts and time travel stories, uh, Bob, what does you look for in a, like a great uh, time travel story? couple of things. It also depends what direction we're going in. Mm. If we're going backwards, I want a convincing use of the period. It should really feel like you've gone backwards. And when you watched, for you guys, Back to the Future, yeah. it felt like, as someone who kind of grew up knowing what those 50s things were, it felt like the 50s. Mm. The attitudes, the language, the music, the, 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 all the details were right. And it, it takes a lot to do. And so I, I always want to, when I'm reading a book, I want that to be right. When the Avengers went back to the Wild West and they used Marvel's old Western heroes to fight Kang, <laughs> I mean, it, it was brilliantly done. It was Steve Englehart back in those days. Moving forward, I want there to be an interesting change. The, whatever the, the twist is, give me something special. We saw that in Rocket Girl, mm-hmm. where now it's teenage policemen, because as Amy and Brandon Montclair pointed out, well kids teenagers particularly have a black and white view of the world so who better to be policemen right that's a lovely conceit to hang your book on Mm -hmm. and it works and then if there's consequence to change i want to see that too i want to see though the movie was terrible sound of thunder Mm -hmm. you know in bradbury's story you know someone steps on a butterfly Mm -hmm. and things all go haywire then give me that so i want the world to be fleshed out in a way that makes some sense, even though it shouldn't, because there's no real time travel. <laughs> don't, don't tell comic book writers or movie writers, but there really isn't. Not yet anyway. Yeah. We can only go forward. <laughs> so to me, it, it's details and consequence. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Stephanie, what about you? Um, for time travel, like it, it sounds weird, but I don't want it to be over-explained to me. Um, I kind of just like the fact that it uh, exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shining Girls by Lauren Bukas uh, involves like a time traveling serial killer, um, and there's not necessarily a whole lot of explanation as to why he can time travel. Um, there's like this house involved and stuff, and like the house is what is like the conduit kind of thing that makes him jump mm-hmm. back and forth in time, and you don't really ever find out why or how. And I'm okay with that. Like I like not necessarily having these reasons for it. I kind of just enjoy um, the concept of it. Uh, and, like, yeah, it 
it's a tricky thing, though. You know, they're so hit and miss. They're so hit and miss. Um, Looper was like, good, but then also not. And, you know, there's like, obviously like 12 monkeys. Um, And that one always just makes me like, I sit in a corner and I'm like, but then he's just looping through time over and over again. It's just, he's just stuck. (laughs) It's just like, it never ends. And then I just like wind up rocking back and forth and uh, it breaks my brain. Um, (laughs) Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. It just depends. A good time travel story is really, really, really hard to pull off. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read The Time Traveler's Wife. I know I recommended it to Maria recently, and uh, she had said she tried to read it and wasn't into it, and then she was like going to try and read it again. And then I just got all these messages from her. Where she was like, I can't stop crying. <laughs> like, uh, And that, he's, uh, you know, they just make up. Um, he's like, Chron- chronologically impaired I think is what they call it and he just jumps through time randomly and he can't there's nothing he can do and I like that I like just make up something and stick with it um, yeah own it yeah isn't that uh, I guess Lord of House 5 is that way the Vonnegut yeah where he just bounces yeah. all over the place yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that's a great example of something that's off the wall and, yeah. and crazy and, and you know and is is a Kurt Vonnegut is one of those writers who is like a sneaky sci-fi writer because his books always use it as sort of like a, a base you know but mm-hmm. but the way he writes is so bizarre and ridiculous sometimes yeah. that you're never sure if the person's just insane or if the thing is yeah. actually you know happening but yes yeah that is what happens yeah. he he's unstuck in time that's how it's, yeah. Billy Pilgrim is unstuck in time mm-hmm. yeah um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve, what makes a good time travel story to you? Um, I think presentation of that story is really important, um, particularly for me. Uh, I can't think of too many comic book-related things that I've read that are time travel I've read a couple of X-Men things over the past year and a half that were very time travel and when you've got like three separate teams of X-Men all living together, you know, trying to be nice... Uh, it got pretty muddy as to who was coming and going and where they were from and what time and who was going back. And I think it's really important to clearly define what the goal is of that time travel and how it's going to affect the other story elements. Uh, I really love it when I'm reading a time travel story and there are like really big consequences, like something with back to the future. If Marty didn't fix the, the, situation between his parents you know his whole life was erased Mm -hmm. him and his sister were disappearing from the photograph so it was you know dire and it was it was important it was very existence to make that happen and to me that drives a lot of of that character and that story and whatnot um i like for there to be consequences and i like for the things to not always work out also um, like the the whole butterfly effect is that, you know, if you step on something, it could have, you know, could ripple effect out into other things. Uh, I like people in time travel stuff to make mistakes that, that have, you know, then the original mission becomes that much harder to complete because now you've gone and changed things. Something recently happened 
in Uncanny X-Men, I won't spoil it, but somebody went and did something that you're never supposed to do ever. Um, and it was interesting in that it could have had really, really major consequences, but the story kind of played it out real cool. And I enjoyed that, that it was, it was just kind of, it had its place. It really pushed the story forward, but then they kind of had respect for the whole, we need to stop this time traveling stuff. And rather than it exploding out into more things and making it more convoluted, they kind of ended things quietly. And that was a little something different than I've seen in other time traveling stories. And I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. So do something, if you're going to do time travel, make sure that you have something unique as an end result to that time travel. Don't do it just because it's cool. Plot it out so that things connect. You know, I love seeing little things in the background or things you saw in like an issue, four issues ago, that that was really important. Um, I, I just thought of it. Morning Glories. Mm -hmm. Morning Glories is notorious for that stuff. Uh, Lost was also another great example of, of moving around through either time or dimensions or whatever realities and having all of those things connect in one way or another. I love that connectivity. If you can write a time travel story where that stuff is really solid, that's the best kind of time travel to me. Well, you want to hear connected or not, and remembers all this, but Dr. Doom is actually Rama Tut, who might be Kang, who's also the Scarlet yeah. Centurion. It's like, wait, wait, Stan? Whoa. Stan, what, what was going on there? Guy gets around. Um, yeah. You know, for me, I, it, I have no, like, set thing that, that uh, I feel like makes a good time travel story to me. Like, I like all forms. I like ones that take it super seriously and deal with all the consequences and and, um, you know, meter out how things would really work and what does it mean if you do this and that. I also like the big, dumb, fun ones mm -hmm. as well. And I also like the silly stuff, you know, like Doctor Who, like, doesn't really deal with, like, the consequences of fixing, changing things, I mean, in the past. There's a few times where it deals with it, but really, it's more just like a device to go, like, let's go to all these cool, awesome places and do all these varied mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. Um and I, you know, I, I love that. You know, I love, like, the Terminator angle of it. Like, it doesn't really, it plays very fast and loose with what yeah. what that means, what do you mean, doing time travel means. But it doesn't really bother me because it's not really about that, you know. It's just about, like, a like a pulpy pre premise that is is brought to huge conclusions, you know. And, and I like that a, a lot as well. Um, you know, of course, Back to the Future is, is something that's one of my favorites. Um, you know, I actually really... I really actually really love Looper, and one of the things I really love about it are those moments where they they show you like what happened, like you know they start hurting the guy in the past, and it's it's affecting him mm -hmm. in the in the future kind of thing. Like I, I I really liked that stuff a lot, and I like that that movie. You know, um, I mean, Bristol says it in the movie right that the time travel stuff gives him a headache, so they don't really go over like you know the. Uh, you know the the stuff that could happen and the paradoxes and all that stuff um because it's just they're not interested in in dealing with it and uh some stuff is but like one of the great um there's a movie called primer uh which is a very little movie it's like 80 minutes long is maybe i get him shane caruth who wasn't even a filmmaker um and it deals with like how you create time travel as realistically as possible. And it's like, you know, it's these guys who are like in their garage, they're trying to create like a new, like something like a new, like coolant fan or something like that. And they end up discovering time travel, mm -hmm. but there are like very strict rules to what, what it can be and how they go about it. And like, you know, um, like the amount of time you, you sit in like this box and the amount of time you sit in the box is the amount of time you go back in time. So if you sit there for in the box for a day, when you get out of the box, it's a day. It's a day before. 
Hmm. Um, but you have to like put in the time to do mm-hmm. it. And but there's some crazy stuff that happens, and it's a very small movie, but it deals in m- m- a lot and like that serious like what would it all mean if this was real and how would it affect other people and what would happen to the people doing it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that it, it it has to have one of those things going for it. And I think for me, the issue with Chrononauts was just that not that the concept wasn't cool because the concept is kind of cool. There's like a satellite that like it's like a it's a it's like a satellite that spins around the Earth and like creates like a time field and it it kind of like picks up the these chrononauts and like kind of like throws them through time in, into spots and something goes wrong and something ends up in the wrong time. But, um, the, the, the characters are very thin and the, and the, and the plot is very thin in it. So it doesn't really give you that hook, you know, and it reminded me, even though it's not a time travel story of, of black science, you know, quite a bit, which deals in the same sort of alternate dimensions type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just wasn't as, as thrilling as something like that. But I, I, I think it's one of those things you can't like throw a dart, at what for me what makes it great but i know when it is and mm-hmm. it's something that's done so much it's a crutch that's relied on especially in media that we comic books video games movies tv like these are you know the, the, the media uses it a lot um and you have to be able to bring something i think special to it in order to do something yeah. um great with it i love oh uh, sorry just, Steph, go ahead i just wanted to point out one other one that actually does like kind of exactly kind of what I was mentioning earlier. Um, have you guys seen the movie About Time with Rachel McAdams? I have not. It's one of the movies I really it's want just, to see, but I have not seen it's, it. It's, I guess like the trailer makes it look a bit like a, a romance movie, but it's more of like a movie about family and all this stuff. But like this, the catch is uh, like on, I forget how old he is, like on his 21st birthday or whatever, Bill Nye tells his son that all the men in their family can time travel. And, like, all they have to do is go in a closet, close their eyes, and imagine the time they want to go to. And, pardon? Handy. <laughs> yeah. That's handy. And it's just, like, it was, I don't, I think it came out, like, two years ago. And it was, like, easily the my favorite movie that year. So amazing. Um, but, like, again, just kind of this simple concept of not trying to over-explain it. It's just, like, why can we do this? I don't know. Cool. Um but they do deal with like the consequences and you know like something happens to one of his family members and he tries to fix it but then you know as a consequence um he something completely 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 changes in the life that he lives in the present and he realizes that he can't do that sort of thing um otherwise you know like he might wind up losing more than um, what he originally intended to fix. So it, it was a really great movie and a really great time travel movie, but not like it doesn't feel like sci-fi or anything like that. It just kind of um, is a byproduct of this really amazing story. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Neat. You were going to say, Steve, before I jump Yeah, in. no, it's really silly. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite things with time travel is thinking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I like the idea of the logic in basically the course of events to gain the one-up on the time travel thing. Like, we need the keys to get mm-hmm. out of the jail cell. So if I go back now and then the keys will be there waiting for me and they reach in their pocket or they, they unearth a rock and the keys are right there mm-hmm. because they would have gone to go and do it. I just, I love 
that whole let's just skip all of this you know tertiary crap just to get to the to the plot and just move on mm-hmm. and i love i usually i've only caught maybe like three or four discussions like that but usually the the dialogue when trying to figure out those things is a lot of fun mm-hmm. and it's just like like boom great now we don't have to spend 20 minutes you know yeah, getting yeah. that done we can just move on yeah so it's I, it's fun thanks future ted yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good idea, man. Yeah, yeah. I know. Remember, remind me to thank myself. Yeah. I just watched that movie not that long ago, like six months ago. I love that. And that uh, bonus ger- uh, bogus journey. Bogus journey. Yeah. Isn't there a sequel coming? This, they heard? said they've been saying yes. that for a long they're time. They're trying. They, they said if they don't time. do it soon, they're not going to do it at all. Yeah. Did, did anyone see Time After Time by Nicholas Meyer? Is that the Jack the Ripper? Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it. You yeah. talked about it a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah where mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper uses H.G. Wells's time machine to escape prosecution by going forward in time mm-hmm. eighty years. Wells chases him mm-hmm. because, well, he's mm-hmm. Wells, and it's interesting in that they have a lovely conversation in a hotel room, and where Jack the Ripper tells H.G. Wells about nineteen seventy nine San Francisco. I belong here. <laughs> this is where I should have been all along. It's just really. It's a clever use of the time travel trope to then make a comment about where society went and where a guy like Wells who wanted utopia, mm. and it didn't quite happen. Yeah, but he finds romance. He finds it's, <laughs> it's Malcolm McDowell. And he finds who would be his real wife for a long time, Mary Steenburgen. All right. Is this talking movie? No, it's not. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, Brian. Uh, let's, <laughs> Brian doesn't listen to the show. Let's move on to book of the week. I'll have to talk to him about that. Um, Steve. Yeah. Tell me. A little bit about Giant Days. Okay. So Giant Days is uh, one of six, and it's a new uh, series from Boombox, Boom Studios. And uh, it was created and written by John Allison, illustrated by Alyssa Trayman, uh, colors by Whitney Kogar, and letters by Jim Campbell. Now, what this is what I equate this book to. Um, I think this is pretty accurate. Uh, I imagine this to be if UK-born lumberjanes counselors, it's no longer the summer. They had to; they're off and they they go back home, and they're uh, in their freshman year at college. So when I, I make the lumberjanes comparison, very much in tone of of character development and comedy and friendships and playfulness mm-hmm. and the the whole book is built upon these three girls. Uh, Their names are Daisy, Esther, and Ptolemy. And essentially, um, they're all going to school together. They heckle each other. They have fun. They have these like crazy adventures, solving crimes and stuff. And whether whether they actually go and do these things or whether or not they just make these adventures up to say that they've done them, it's just three friends being friends. Um, One of Ptolemy's old flames is uh, transfers into the school and immediately sets her off and and puts her on edge for the for the majority of the book and we spend time with her other two friends who know her really well but don't know her from that part of her life trying to get her to tell the story and figure out why she's so upset and the way that she baits them and baits the reader as well with like the history, why is like, are we getting these panels of her with fire in her eyes? And why is the, you know, the interactions between her and this dude really weird? And, you know, so uh, it's pretty cool in that the book, as you go through it, it changes narratives. So like it starts off with one character, but as they kind of break off and go and do their own things, one of them goes to the gym to go boxing. Another one 
goes to watch YouTube videos, and it's, I, that part's actually quite hilarious. I won't spoil it for you, though. Um, but the book changes narratives in that you get these different voices telling you this story, and it moves from one character to another to another. So you really get to get inside of their heads. Um, it's got kind of like a uh, Adventures of Superhero Girl attitude to it a little bit, um, The way, in my estimation, the way that it's written. Uh, like I said, it's very character-driven, uh, it's a story about friendship and the core of the book, you know, when people ask me, well, what is it about? And you just tell them flatly that it's about three girls who are in college, just basically being three girls in college. It doesn't sound that exciting. It's really the characters and the humor of the book and their their bond with one another that makes the book entertaining and, and drives you to want to to wanna read, or at least drove me to want to read more of it. And... um you know, just like we found in Lumberjanes, where we've got kind of this playful attitude, carefree attitude about life in general and how important friendships are um, to like your growth as as a young person. Uh, this book has a lot of that in it, and um, I can't wait to see. I've it's only one issue. There'll be six total by the end. Uh, I'm curious to find out more about the Ptolemy's past with this dude that shows up. And just looking forward to more of the friendship dynamic between these three girls, I just find it enjoyable to read. They're all of different personalities. One of them is kind of like would have sat at, you know, the quote unquote freak table in high school. The other one might have been a more bookish type. And, you know, then you have this radical, sarcastic girl who's Ptolemy. And they all just bring a different air and and different um, bit of attitude to to the like the dynamic that mm-hmm. is that friendship um and that's giant days number one from Sounds awesome. Boom studios yeah may i borrow it yes you absolutely okay. this is a bob book for there certain we go. there you go did you read it yeah i did what'd you think it was cool um i i liked the art a lot i thought it was um you know we talk a lot about line art and stuff it it felt like very much like i guess cartooning would be the the uh, yeah. word i would use you know it's mm-hmm. It has a different vibe than most uh, interior art, I think, in, in most books. Um, and you know, I like, I, I like that it's slice of life that it, that yeah. it's these three people doing their thing. I mean, it, it's you got to be very clear when you're going into it, like you said. Like if you're not interested in, in reading a story like that, then it's probably not the book for you because yeah. you're not getting any. There's un, even on like Lumberjanes, there's no like adventure in the big sense of the word to be no. had here mm-hmm. you know this is very much unless they throw a complete curveball your our way at some point yeah like if you don't if you don't not maybe not fall in love but like if you don't endear yourself to the characters you're probably not yeah. going to be very interested and if you're only interested in reading something that's like an adventure story this isn't you're not going to get that here but mm-hmm. um i did like the interaction between the characters i i liked that they weren't always nice to one another yeah you know that they took delight in pissing each other off at times which yeah. is a very friend thing to do yeah. you know um and i liked that i liked that they brought that aspect of personalities to the story mm-hmm. um yeah and, and you know it we we talked about it, i think a little bit last week and i kind of talk about it a lot but i like that they're the stakes are small you know that yeah. they're, they're big for the characters because when you're in college and you're dealing with relationships like that like those are huge things those are the biggest thing in the world to you mm-hmm. but in reality it's, a, it's small stakes but i like that they're big stakes to the characters small stakes in the overall picture mm-hmm. um and i enjoy that because you don't get a lot of those stories you know a lot of yeah. most of the stories they have some sort of big stake to them sure. and i like this better i like i like seeing this this variety and having that kind of story going on yeah the art um kind of reminded me a little bit of faith Aaron hicks yeah, if i had bit, to, yeah. to give it a comparison 
Uh, yeah, you know, it just like you said, small stakes, little centralized story. Um, you know, if you like the the character dynamics and the way they get along, uh, like you said, like friends heckling. Like I was actually kind of thinking about like you and Brian. Mm. You know, just <laughs> the way that you guys. <laughs> poke and and go after each other or even the way like we do on this show or on talking games and the way jackie and justin Mm -hmm. you know get along and stuff like that it feels very honest and organic Mm -hmm. you know and if you want to have a a light but entertaining read and you want to get to know you know three really cool characters outside of like the big two and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um it is definitely something you should check out Cool. I enjoyed it a lot. I was really looking forward to it and actually like specifically ordered it from previews just based on the cover and said, I'm going to give this a shot. And um, it's, you know, when you pick up something that you've been waiting three, four months to get just out of curiosity to have it work for you is, is exciting. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading it. I think you'll really like it. Um, Stephanie. I- you, you talked big before. You said you didn't know how you were going to talk about this book. That was your book of the week. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how this all comes about. No, like I honestly have no idea even where to start. Um, the title will be okay. Shut up. <laughs> um, Speaking so of snark, yeah. I mentioned this book, the first volume of this book a little while ago uh, by Fred Kennedy and Miko something, probably Eastern <laughs> European or Russian. Um, That's a yep. long last name. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's called The Fourth Planet. It's a book that Steve, I, I actually like forced Steve to buy this. Uh, we were like standing <laughs> by Fred Kennedy's booth and I was like, Steve, this is right up your alley. Here. Like Fred didn't even need to sales pitch him. I was just kind of just like, give no. him your money now. He's like, what am I buying? I'm like, this book. I remember that. You grab my arm. You're like, Steve, here, buy this. I took one look at it. I said, yep. It's just Amazing. So this book started out as um, a Battlestar Galactica fan fiction. And uh, Fred Kennedy is like a local celebrity here in Toronto. He does um, uh, like he works for the Cartoon Network and a a big radio station and a bunch of other things. And he did a comic book with a friend of mine, Adam Gorham, who I mentioned before, um, called Tudin. And uh, I've got Miko's name here. Miko Myasek? My site? Never mind. Anyways, um, so again, it started out as like this Battlestar Galactica fan fiction and then evolved into its own original uh, masterpiece. And really, that's kind of all I can call it. It's just this like beautiful piece of work that com- like combines uh, Fred's really incredible dialogue with Miko's like just mind-blowingly beautiful art. Um, like, again, like I, I know Fred in person and then, you know, see talking to him and then seeing this book, you're just like, wow, dude, like you're so talented. Like this, the intricate storylines that are involved here, there's several plots going on all throughout, um, the fourth planet. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're not connected yet, but you can kind of see that over the course of time, um, everything will come together. You, does that make sense, sort of? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But right now we're just getting the snippets of everything going on um, outside of that. And it's building up to um, when everyone will kind of, you know, 
exist in one place. So there's these humans, or I assume humans, who have been looking for a new home to inhabit, again, like Battlestar Galactica. Um, And then there's the natives that live on this planet who obviously don't necessarily want it to be invaded. Um, (laughs) And there's a woman who is one of the natives of this planet um, who I like... I don't know if she's like a concubine or she's promised to um, one of like the natives royalty people or some shenanigans. I can't quite figure that out yet. Like they haven't really established that entirely. But either way, there's a bit of her story um, and about like what she's doing. And uh, it's just incredible. I, I... it's hard to, it's really hard to describe. Um, the first volume of it was hard to describe as well. But it's good, though. Like, you read it and you yes. love it. Like, it's not hard to digest. It's just kind of hard to explain. It's really <laughs> big. It's very um, Mass effect yes. in that the, the world feels just ridiculously large. I mean, I know it was, it was, uh, uh, oh my God. What's the name of the show? Quick. Battle, 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 I've never watched it, so I don't know. I know. Um, but it definitely has a, a huge like Mass Effect Star Wars vibe uh, for me. Anyways, in terms of like massive population. And, um, so, like you cool. shouldn't be deterred by the fact that you may not have heard of this and like all that stuff. All of this comic, I mean, uh, is being collected in sort of zines. So there's a first and second volume. Um, but it is actually a web comic. So it's available at bigsexycomics.com. Um, and again, like, I know I am the worst at describing things. I know I am. Like, and when <laughs> things get, like, weird like this, like, that are hard to describe, I know it's a thousand times worse. But I promise you that checking out this comic will be one of the best things that you'll do this week. Um, it is really, really worth your time. And if for no other reason, like, this art will blow your mind. It's beautiful. And, like, as you can bet that as soon as someone, one of the higher-ups notices this dude, he's going to be working on all kinds of books. Um, he is just a superstar in the making, and so is Fred, you know. Like, he's made it in a lot of other ways in Toronto here, but he's an amazing writer, He's great with this dialogue and just putting together this incredibly epic story. Um, and I really, really think that if all any or all of the things we've mentioned, you know, Star Wars, Mass Effect, Battlestar Galactica, are things that you've even mildly enjoyed, you'll love this. Cool. Awesome. So it's a trade or two trades or singles? Uh, Where are we at like, with this so far? They're sort of just like, Designs. So they're like these little square issues that probably have, I don't know, like 20, 30 pages each. Um, but okay. they are collected. You can read everything um, on the website. Because uh, I don't know if they're for sale anywhere outside of conventions. But um, Fred will hmm. be at Emerald City this week coming up. So you can check out, um, if you're going to be there, you can check out the comic for yourself at his booth. Cool. Awesome. Fourth Planet spelled out or with the number of people looking for his website? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I actually have the first one, Bob, if you want to yeah. borrow it and check it out. Cool. Awesome. As a big Battlestar Galactica yes. fan, yeah. <laughs> I think you'll like it. I mean, the art the art is, is mind-blowingly good. Cool. Awesome. All right, Bob. Okay. Well, we did mention Lumberjanes previously, so I'm going to talk about not Lumberjanes, but Sensation Comics number eight. And the first story, which is by James Tynan. Is it Tynan? I think it's Tinian. I think. Okay. I, We've I, been corrected on this on yeah. like five yeah, so separate it, it's, it's one of those two. Not as much as the Mark Millar Miller thing. So. Yes. No. <laughs> Whether it's Tinian or Tynan, yeah. and the art is by Noelle Stevenson. Mm-hmm. And, and the first story is called Wonder World. And has been the case with this book since its beginnings, first digitally and in print, you're given a lovely look at a Wonder Woman that is the vision of what Dr. Marston and Harry Peter want to create as an aspirational figure. And where we start here is Diana as a 15-year-old sulking over not being able to go to a, on a mission to the dangerous outside world. So, of course, she sneaks away, where she encounters a young girl named Riley who's having her own sulky issues. She's trying to celebrate her birthday at a boardwalk arcade, and she's not being allowed to play the game she wants to play with her friends on her birthday. So she's sitting under the boardwalk when Wonder Woman shows up out of the ocean, sort of like Venus on the half shell, no less, (laughs) though she's been clonked in the head by a piece of debris from under the boardwalk, an old beer can or something. And there's a lovely little little chat between them, and uh, it's so Diana says to us, so the boys would let them, uh, Riley play this one game she wants to play that was going to be the highlight of her whole evening. So Diana says, so you wish to play this game? Yeah, but, and these boys, they will not let you play? Come, Sister Riley, we will have words with these boys. <laughs> and she grabs her by the hand, they march off to the, to the arcade. And of course, you know, shenanigans and game playing ensues. And I'm not going to spoil any of that because you just need to read how this all plays itself out. Tons of heart and humor. And some great, powerful messages. It's it, Again, we're eight issues in. I don't, know, I don't know what the digital account is. We're up to 27 or 28, somewhere at this point. And that all these varied creators, everyone's been one and done, kind of, with some stories split, have found a new hook and a new way to, to show up these attributes with, where the character shines so greatly. And so here, we, we get a lovely little talk about the R world. And... Here we go. Riley's trying to explain to Diana what's happening in, in our world. And uh, so, I mean, this part of the city is pretty sweet. She says to Diana, no, your whole world. In the last few hours, I've only seen a fraction of it. And certainly there is darkness. But there's so much wonder here. They teach us the horrors and dictators in war and abuse of power. They say our, your little world is the, our little world is the only world in which true peace is possible. But I can't believe that. I can't believe in a world of so many amazing things that people can come together and be extraordinary. You know, the 75 years of Wonder Woman history in those couple of word balloons. And this is not just like the second story, which is a neat little Lex Luthor outer space thing and Diane does all sorts of amazing things. But for those people looking, uh, I'll beat this horse till it's more dead than it is already. (laughs) People looking to read what Wonder Woman's about Sensation Comics is the place to find it. There's a lot of other stuff going on. She's in a lot of other books. Uh, look, I've read a lot of Wonder Woman in my time. This is where you want to go to read those stories. So it's Sensation Comics number eight, in this case particularly, James Tinian the fourth, Noel Stevenson, or it's his alter ego, James Tynan the fourth. <laughs> it's funny. You um you mentioned like the whole thing about like a mission statement being mm-hmm. kind of pushed into one bit of dialogue or conversation. Mm-hmm. I felt that way about uh, Batgirl number 40. 
And uh, Go for it. Uh, I, I hope I have the right panel. One second. Uh, okay. Um, Batgirl's talking to wait, the, the villain revealed of, of this arc. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, I know you're angry. I was too. But I've grown since then. I've moved on, made friends, and had time to heal. I'm past all the darkness. I could see now that there's a better way. Absolutely. Right Felt there the is, is yep. you know, the attitude of that, that new Batgirl of Burnside, just in that one word bubble. Mm-hmm. But I passed through that. I was like, yes, exactly. And that was, you know, and that had come out amidst all the, the Batgirl cover controversy and stuff like that. And I read that and I'm like, see, I'm like, there it is yeah. right there. Um, Jeff Johns tweeted this the other day, a couple days ago. He said, his tweet just said, being nice to people doesn't cost anything. Listen to one Roman. It's this quote from, Wonder Woman number 170. Um, And it says, If the prospect of living in a world where trying to respect the basic rights of those around you and valuing each other simply because we exist are such daunting and possible tasks, then what sort of world are we left with and what sort of world do you want to live in? Wow. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, George Perez, I believe. I'm I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. You would know better than I would, Bob. (laughs) No, I think it's Phil Jimenez. Okay. Might be Jimenez. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So there you go. and, uh, Thank you, Jeff Johns. Yes. yes. Uh, bouncing right off of this one Roman talk, uh, Gal Gadot uh, was interviewed this week, and uh, this interview has been making the rounds, and I'm sure most people have seen it uh, by now, but they were asking her about uh, you know, the people who were criticizing uh, her, her body type when she got cast as Wonder Woman. And she says, don't be shy. They said that I was too skinny and my boobs were too small. I'm really lucky mm-hmm. nothing in my life... Uh, I'm really lucky nothing in my life was instantaneous. When I was younger, I would take criticism really hard, but now it mostly amused me. The true Amazons had one boob, so it wouldn't, it won't bother them. In, <laughs> so it wouldn't bother them in their archery. So it's not going to be like the real Amazons. We always try to make everyone happy, but we can't. Um, she said, uh, after they asked me, uh, after they asked me here in Israel, if I had, if I had eating disorders and why I'm so skinny, they said my head was too big and my body was like a broomstick. I can take anything. It's just empty talk. I understand the part of what I'm doing means being exposed, and part of being exposed means being under fire. Um, and she said this about playing Wonder Woman. Playing Wonder Woman is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I can't describe to you how much I wanted to play this character without even knowing I wanted to play her. I met a lot of people from the industry in L.A. for meetings. They always ask me, uh, what's your dream role? And I could never define it. Um, I always answered that I wanted to play a woman that is strong and will be a source for woman empowerment. I don't want to play a damsel in distress that needs to be saved. I don't like it when women in the movies are shown as the victims. I always thought I could send out a a message. I want to show the strong side of a woman and how she can handle tough situations. Yes, I get to play the strong. um, Yes, I get to play the strongest, most empowering woman ever. Wonder Woman. I'm so grateful. And I thank God every day. I want to devour it and enjoy every bite. She has unbelievable endurance. She is exceptionally strong, and she can jump really high and practically fly. She knows tons of martial arts styles. She's a strong and serious woman. Um, so, Bob, I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> I loved reading that. Uh, someone linked it. I think it was Henry mm-hmm. on, on our forums, and I saw it when he put it up there. Ms. Godot gets it. I, I'm fingers crossed even more that she'll get to play the character she's describing. Mm-hmm. If the script is written with those things in mind, we're going to get to see Wonder Woman on the screen. Mm-hmm. Holding my breath, crossing fingers, toes, and whatever. Let's let's just hope. I'm I'm in. Stephanie, what did you think about her 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 comments on on all? Of I it? thought that she was really well spoken. Um, mm. I think that she sounds like you know a a, a strong 
woman who knows how to kind of hold herself and deal with Hollywood. Um, I mean, I believe, was she in the Israeli army or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone has to serve. I, 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 everyone knows at this point that I am not in any way, shape or form excited for um, many of the movies coming from the DC universe. But that does give me hope that at the very least, if, the script isn't good or if anything else, um, you know, doesn't pull through her performance might save it. If that's how she's really planning on embodying the character. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve, do you have anything you want to say and add? Um, not particularly. I, um, you know, I, I admire her coolness about everything. I think she's handling, the criticism really well and her response. I mean, somebody comes to you and is like, you know, basically interviewing you about your, your breast size and asking, you know, you, if, Oh, you know, does it bother you? And of course it does, but you know, I'm a professional and this is, this is a character and this is, this is a huge role for me. The biggest that I've probably that she's ever had, I would imagine. It's definitely could, that she's ever had. Yeah. yeah. So this is a huge opportunity for her. Uh, you know, we keep talking about the writing because that's just, it's such an important part of it. But I've been excited about her playing the character from the start, or at least I think I was, if people want to go back and listen <laughs> and prove me wrong, I don't know. But um, I I like knowing from listening to her speak and listening to her response that if the movie comes out and it performs poorly for me personally, or if I've like, you know, like, I don't know about Wonder Woman, that it's not coming from her and her intentions in playing the character. She's not under the delusion of like having to present this like DC new 52 Finch wonder woman kind of character. She understands the core and, and is honored to be playing the character that I'm, I'm really glad that somebody that has a passion for that character is stepping into the boots and, and whatever happens with the movie that she has the best of intentions with representing this character. That makes me happy. She's really great in fast and furious. She was, I love those movies a lot. So take that for what you will. Yeah. I can't wait to see the new one. The only franchise. I want to see just actually keep getting better and better. (laughs) Oh man. The fifth one, the fifth one just changed everything and it, it became this huge heist thing. The sixth one was really good. I'm, I mean, just like the crow where they had to, to digitally kind of make some magic with, with Brandon Lee's sure. character, what they're doing with Paul Walker by inviting his brother to step into the role for, you know, key scenes or whatever, like as, as somebody who studies special effects, I am really curious to see how they're going to pull this off and whether or not it's going to be believable and and good and executed well. And with the budget that those movies have and the popularity that they have, I have no doubt. Plus, Jason Statham is now in the mix. What? Yeah. He's the bad guy. He's the dude. Wow. Yeah, Jason Statham, The Rock, Did Vin Diesel. I mean, dude? come on. Russell's in it. Kurt Russell. Did you just say What's he's that? Kurt Russell's in it. He's no, no, dude. he's the okay. dude. I was like, yes. <laughs> They're tying the, the the new movie ties into the third one, which was the worst one of the lot. They're trying to, no what? way. All right, the second one. Yeah, the second All right, one's the way second. worse. Bruh. Hey, bruh. Um but <laughs> Tokyo Drift. But um 
they're they're going to be trying to, I guess, make amends for that, I guess, semi-dark period of the franchise and basically give you a payoff for why they brought the the franchise to that to that location to to, to begin with. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, you didn't get to see this part. And guess what? This part's really freaking cool. And now we're bringing that character into the main line and everybody's going to be there. Yeah. So I'm so pumped. They're so ridiculous. Do you, know what the, do you know what they call the Fast and Furious movies in Japan? No. Wild Speed? Really? That's, yeah. And so the name of this movie is Wild Speed Sky Mission. <laughs> Just That's such a freaking awesome It sounds like an anime. Things, speaking of mission. Did you see the Mission Impossible trailer? The new trailer? Oh my God, it looks so good. Okay, I'm down. Yes. Rogue Nation. I did it's not. It's so good. Looks good. I didn't even oh my watch God, the Who's that girl in that movie? Ultron. She's a goddamn ninja. <laughs> her for all the things i don't know who she is yes okay done sold woohoo buy my ticket cool all right i'll have to go check that out speaking of superman um <laughs> my book of the week this week is superman number uh, 39 uh jeff johns and john romita jr uh klaus johnson on uh the inks and um uh, this is the last of the uh jeff johns superman books um it ends his relatively short run 32 to 39 so eight issues i think it spent almost a year because i think there was a little bit some breaks in between um some delays but eight issues um he's obviously previously worked on the character before uh and you know i was excited because love jeff johns i'm always iffy on john romita jr and that remains throughout this entire run i think there there's great panels and there's horrible panels you know i think um, sometimes where the faces look like they're like melting off of the, off of their skulls at times, <laughs> but there are times where it, it works really, really well. Um, but overall the story, uh, was really interesting. This, this idea, this kind of bizarro idea of, um, this character named, uh, his name is Neil. His parents work at like this, this lab. Um, and in the seventies, uh, they accidentally released this, this kind of antimatter and they thought the world was going to end. So they jettisoned their son into another dimension. Ooh. And he thought Earth was destroyed. He thought Earth was gone. So he was like, the inverse of Superman. Um, and then he comes back to Earth, and him and Superman, you know, they bond, and he realizes his parents are still alive. And there's some really good, out, you know, comparisons between who Superman is and, and who Neil is. Um, and it's a good story, and it, it ends with some really crazy big sci-fi stuff that I'm not going to spoil for anybody. I think they should check it out. It's very cool. Uh, but um, Superman 39 is kind of dealing with the the after effects of this, and. Uh, the other thing is, is that for one day, Superman doesn't have any powers. So he's just a, a normal dude. Um, and him and uh, Jimmy Olsen are just kind of palling around uh, Metropolis and doing their thing. And they run into, you know, they're talking about that. Clark's talking about the nature of being Superman, mm-hmm. all this stuff with Jimmy. And Jimmy's talking about his parents. And there's some very good small scenes between the two of them. Uh, they then run into a mugger who is has a gun pointed to someone's head. And even though Clark doesn't have powers, he steps in. He puts on his suit and he steps in and he uses his reputation, you know, to mm-hmm. hopefully <laughs> make sure he doesn't get shot. Um, and the whole issue is kind of a, a treatise on what it means to be Superman. Um, and there's this one line in the book that I just that that it encapsulates me all of who clark is and all of who superman is um and it's this one line he says you think i only step in front of guns because i'm bulletproof um and that it just really resonated yeah. with me you know it, it's this idea that this character yes he does amazing things 
because he has powers and he uses those powers to do amazing things, but he's a hero no matter what. You know, that, that's the thing about Clark is that he's selfless and he wants things to be better and he's willing to risk his life. He doesn't risk everything because he knows he can't be hurt, you know? Um, and he risks it because he knows it's the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I loved it. And, and I think it summed up the, the last seven issues very well. Cause the whole seven issues is kind of about what it means to be him as a character. And, you know, it shows that, uh, John's really gets the character. And I just, you know, I absolutely just loved it. Um, you know, Bob, I was surprised cause it showed up in your email saying yes. you might talk about it. And, you know, I wanted to know your thoughts about it. Sure. I had been alerted. Uh, Carolyn Coca sent me out an email with a, to a link to an article where after a rough week in comics, you, you need to read Superman 39. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'll take your word for that. And just wow. <laughs> you're, you're looking at a, at a situation where I've drifted in and out of Superman over the years. Last time I really read it regularly was probably the 80s and 90s. And it too often became the unassailable big blue boy scout who could move planets and what was what was the point of any story? Bringing it down to this human level where you're now seeing who the hero really is. It is Clark Kent. And it's those values he got from his parents in Kansas. You know, you were meant for something bigger, mm-hmm. son. And that's handled beautifully, whether it's the scene you described mm-hmm. where sh- Anything could have gone wrong. We know it's not, but mm-hmm. you you have the feeling that it could have. We don't know where we are. These books are coming to an end, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. There was real danger there to a lovely scene with a boy in a tree trying to get his kite down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just sort of, uh, Mr., you're, you're bleeding. They show up at the planet, and there's mm-hmm. lovely interaction again with Perry and Lois. And it's sort of, if you're going to have your, your swan song on a book, it's... Do it this way. Give us all the cast in the way they've been meant to be seen with their characteristics all in place. And it's it's easy to forget that there isn't a comic book industry at all without this character having started everything in 1938. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that character continues to resonate if that light flickers over the years. It goes up and down as the taste change. He was the biggest character until the Batman television show, when that was canceled, it was Superman again until the Burton movies. And it's never been anything but Batman since. There's something special about Superman that we can aspire to be. I, I say this all the time, and I've talked about now two of these characters today. There are three comic book characters to me that stand for something else than beating up bank robbers and stopping outer space invasions, and it's Wonder Woman, Superman, and Captain America, where there's something else at the core of those characters that changes the way you read them just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. And this issue, I am not the biggest John Romita Jr. Yeah. fan either. And it, I don't think it works very well for the most part on this, even when Scott Snyder was doing mm-hmm. it. Here, his smaller moments, when he was doing Daredevil years ago or X-Men, whatever, in small moments, he's not his old man, but he isn't bad. Mm-hmm. And those work here, where it's just standing on a street corner, where it doesn't, have, it get, doesn't get all scratchy and sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> beautifully emotional heartfelt issue i can't recommend this book enough i'm so glad you picked it so we could have this longer discussion yeah. me just rampaging through it in 18 seconds <laughs> yeah just a great book yeah I, you know and it's one of those things where i feel like jeff johnson had a relatively long run the character uh, a few years ago and you know 
I, I thought it was odd when he came back to do it because it didn't seem like the thing that he would usually mm-hmm. do. You know, like coming back to characters isn't something he's done. He 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 t- tells he does his run and then he leaves and then he's kind of done. You know, and it felt feels like to me though he had this story that he wanted to tell that he hadn't told yeah. before and he wanted to tell it. You know, and. I didn't expect this this last issue to be this, you know, and it, it, it's it's fitting in a lot of ways because, you know, there is there's hooks in this book that I think are are pointing towards convergence at this point. Yeah. There's some there's some like uh, you know framing stuff that happens with a character who's been in in this whole run who's leading up to something. I, I think we're going to see later, but um, it's sort of a nice like this is a nice like goodbye to whatever this character is right now. We're going to go through Convergence, and we're going to come on the other side, and we already know he's going to look different, different writer, you know, so mm-hmm. who knows what that mean, the character's going to be like there, but this is a very nice goodbye to who the character is, and I don't, I don't think we're going to lose all of that, but I think it's really Jeff John's way of saying, this is what I have to say about the character, he yeah. puts a bow on it, you know, we're going to come over Justice League, we're going to do some really cool stuff, he's going to be beating people up, and it's going to be fun, but this is kind of like the, well, you know, this is my who the character is to me this is in this and that's yeah. what Superman 39 is it's gorgeous. Um, yeah and you I mean you and you can Bob obviously you, you hadn't been reading the other stuff so no you can pick it up if oh absolutely just uh, go buy this book yeah. you don't need to know anything except it's Superman and Jimmy and the Daily Planet and whatever and if there's a callback to the issue before it's yeah. explained in a panel oh yeah just move on yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it's good mm-hmm. stuff it's very good yeah. stuff mm-hmm. yeah um yeah so it, great, great. You know, I, I didn't expect that to be the thing I talked about this week, but um, Bob putting it in the email made me go, well, let me just go back and read. And so I, I, can, I can talk about it with him. And so I went back and read the, all 32 to 39. That's awesome. Um, and it was really good. Again, the art is suspect at times. <laughs> and it's, it's the weird thing. I, I, I don't want to end this on a negative note, but the weird thing about his art to me is that, and I don't know if he's always been this way. I don't know if he, it's maybe just, he's gotten older and he's kind of not pressing his heart anymore, yeah. but there are times where it looks fantastic and and and, and, yeah. and it's not always like just the quiet scene sometimes the big scenes look great but then other mm-hmm. times it, it just it looks horrible like you, you know and it's <laughs> it's so weird because the the differences are are, are so vast to me mm-hmm. you know where it can go from being like this beautiful looking art to something that i don't i don't understand like how he finished and was like this is what i want it to be you know um that panel for instance that face? Oh yeah, yes, like the melty. It's the melty face. Uh, yeah. At the end of a, a wonderful page, a beautifully laid out yeah. page, there's a melty face. This whole first couple pages too is just not very well drawn, you know. Um, and this is really yeah, bad it, visuals on on a yeah, podcast. But we're, we're going for it. Yeah. But it, uh, on the whole, on the whole, for, for a John Romita Jr. Superman issue, yeah. this was very satisfying. Yeah. And, and yeah. yes, and 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 the story and and the message in it is is, is great. You can't go wrong if you're yeah. if you're a fan of Superman or ever wanted to know why do people love Superman? Yeah. What is the Superman everyone's always talking about? Like this is this is a great definition of, of what that means. Nice. So yeah. So um, let's take a little break. We're gonna come back and then we're gonna talk about our shared book of the week, Red One.
All right, we are back, and we're here to talk about our shared book of the week, Red One, uh, by Xavier Dorenson, with art by Terry Dotson and Rachel Dotson. When I first saw the cover of the book, I was like, I thought his name was Xavier Dotson. <laughs> Me too. I read it very, very, yeah. read it very quickly. I was like, is there another Dotson? But that <laughs> That's the missing Dotson. Dorison. This is the time traveling one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I bungled his name last week discussing it, so don't feel bad. So, Bob, this was your assignment. Uh, yes. Your time up. You, uh, you assigned us this book from Image Comics, New Image Number One. Um, so, why don't you first tell us uh, what the book is about, okay. and then. Um, you can lead off, obviously, because right. you're leading the discussion. Sure. Well, it's 1977, and Vera Yelnikov is the best soldier the Soviet Union has to offer. And they're looking at trying to find a way to change the American opinion of what the Soviet Union is about. We actually open in the story, it's a, it's a movie premiere and a protest by one of those I don't want to say too much about it. it's religious because you don't really know what their backstory is. But for right now, it seems like it's a pastor and a religious protest against violence mm-hmm. and sexuality in movies and so on and so forth. And then there's this sort of serial killer vigilante, quote unquote, superhero. You remember the 70s, we're looking at Death Wish, Dirty Harry, all those things going on. So it's a nice comment on that. And some characters don't come up very well. Just leave it at that. We'll see how that all plays out later, perhaps. And she is sent here uh, out of her own life in Russia isn't very good. It was a time of great deprivation over there. And she's sharing living quarters with lots of people, whether by completely by choice or not. We don't know that either, but it is doesn't look great. She's not really thrilled about being here, presented with this idea that it's good for Mother Russia and so on. And the we get here and it's interesting um here's the deal this was presented as a sort of exploitation tarantino-esque look with with a, a female lead character and sort of like the bride in, in the mm. kill bill films or something else and you know i, I picked this based on i, I like uh, the dodson's art have for a long time it's very much in the sort of good girl art thing, which we'll discuss a little bit later, certainly like an Adam Hughes sort of thing. Yeah, when he was exclusive, he was basically like Marvel's Adam Hughes. Yes, very good, very good point, Steph. And always respectful, and some of that is still here, but this had an interesting premise, a really interesting start, and I think it had some real problems in trying for sort of 70s retro. He ended up with way too much of what's described as the male gaze, and a lot of that is sadly not the art itself, but it's the way the story plays out. There are some plot points that are very problematic. There's the last couple of pages that are groan-inducing. And I am i will not pick a book that I haven't read all the way through next time. That's the, you're always supposed to do that. We're all thinking <laughs> of sight unseen. Sight unseen. Okay, well then, I did, I did it the right way then, yeah. but... Uh, what wasn't quite for me. It wasn't up to what I expected it was going to be. Who wants to go next? Everybody is going to take a bullet from time to time yeah. with picking yeah. this stuff yeah, for yeah. shared book of the week. We never would have read Plunder if Steve had read it all the way through first. Hey, come on now, <laughs> come on. <laughs> eh? This is this is my I would say my Waterloo. This is my Plunder. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. I knew when I saw the name Internet that I was fucked. <laughs> yeah. I, here's the thing. You, you, this can be done well, as we've seen with Bitch Planet. You can do this exploitation vibe and make it work. 
And this case, it didn't work mm. for me. Steph, what, what did you think of it? Um, I, I wanted to really like it. I like the Dodson's art a lot. Um, as I mentioned, they were very much like, um, I mean, I mean, they're a team, right? So he does the mm-hmm. art, she does the colors. Um, right. But they were very much like the Marvel Adam Hughes to me, like I mentioned, and uh, very, very infatuated with that whole like Art Nouveau style. Um, and I, I do love the art in this series, in the start of this series. Uh, but there were a lot of major problems in it for me. Um, you know, it, it just, it felt like they were doing everything in their power to put this girl in like cheesecakey positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. It's supposed to be kind of like cheeky like that. It, but it it didn't feel like these things were flowing organically. It just felt like, what's the next thing we do to make her, like, shirtless? What do we do to make yes. her, like, sexy? What do we do to make her slutty? What do we do to make her this? And it like, didn't feel like it was, like, advancing the plot. It just felt like things that were being thrown in for the sake of being thrown in. Um. You know, like there's a death at the beginning of the book, and she's not being she's not murdered because she's um, you know she's not murdered for any other reason than because this reverend or whatever the hell she is thinks that this girl's slutty, mm-hmm. and like hello, hello Dodsons, hello Xavier, have you not been following? Yeah. Everything that's going on on the internet, hello, meet the internet. Meet everything that's wrong with comics right now. Welcome to your book. And, like, it was like they were were reading Gail Simone's Women in Refrigerators and were like, let's make this into a comic. I, I, I just, I, I want to, I, 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 I I, and, and maybe I'm, I'm just I thinking about this stuff, this stuff wrong, but I mean that's like a really shitty character ordering another really shitty character to do a really shitty thing. Yeah, you know. So I don't I, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't that doesn't feel to me like I mean I have problems with the book. Don't the, get me wrong. The character but that doesn't feel to me like one of them. The character herself, like I, it's like they wanted to make her with good intention. Um, they wanted to make her strong. They wanted to make her sexy. They wanted to make her uh, sexual. They wanted to make her kick ass. But instead, they just made her a trope. Um, and they yeah. just made her like this 2D kind of f- flat only in, you know, character <laughs> or personality. I mean, um, everything just feels really two dimensional. Like it just doesn't feel like she has any depth to her. It It just they wanted all of these things in a character and threw it together. Much like Finch's Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> you read Velvet, which has all those things you just described in space. Done well. And it's a beautiful, sexy, wonderful yes. book. Mm-hmm. A character with agency. And here we see none of that. Right. I, I, my question about... And this is this is me just wanting to have a conversation about the mm-hmm. content of the book because I mean this book in Velvet couldn't be more different, right? I right. mean, Velvet is very serious, right? Velvet Velvet is going for a very certain tone. 
um, and a very certain aspect. And and I feel like this, as Stephanie was saying, is attempting to be cheeky in in a lot of ways. Whether or not successful at that, that's that's a that's a conversation right. that we're going to have. But you know. Um, the, I feel like is what's happening here is they're going for a tone, and what they're what I feel like they're kind of going for is like this is the stuff that James Bond does, but now a girl is doing it. That, that's what it feels like a little bit to mm-hmm. me, right? She's she's sleeping with with, with 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 a bunch of people. She's being very cavalier with her attitude. I'm talking about like Roger Moore, right. James Bond, mm-hmm. not like Daniel Craig, James Absolutely. Bond. You know, uh, uh, and that's what I feel like they were going for. Now I don't think that they. Now I don't think the Roger Moore Bond movies are good, and so I don't. Yeah. And so that tone is not really something that, that flies with me. But I think comparing it to something like Velvet is a little apples and oranges, you know, just because okay. of what the intent of the story is, right? Um, so that's the only thing. I mean, again, like, both I, of those I'm things st- we've compared to James Bond, like female James Bond. So I mean, I kind of agree with Bob. Y- yes, but Velvet is much more like. Daniel Craig James Bond or Sean Connery James Bond, right. and something. Well, this is going. Campier, lighter. it's campier. campier. Yeah, that, that's that's the difference to me. You know, because um, I mean, the way that you know Ed Brubaker is writing Velvet is, you know, there, there's some levity there, but it's it's going for a very serious. Like this is a deep. Like you can you can you can smell the cigarette smoke. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. noirish story here, and this to me is like it. It's sometimes where it, I even feel like it's being satirical at, at times, but I just. I don't think it ever really hits those satirical points no. particularly well. I also think we're there's a real problem in that we're looking at it from the outside in. We don't get it's her point of view. The story is talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not getting her point of view. Right. Yes. I'm yeah. seeing it from mine, and that's not what. Yeah. I want from this that that stops it from being cheeky, sexy, fun, and right. instead turns it into. Ugh. Yeah. It's kind of icky. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. Like, and I'm not, and Stephanie, I'm not saying this stuff to no, say, say that you're wrong. No, no, I'm no, just, I know. Just, it's yeah. fine. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, it, okay, maybe the women in refrigerators thing was a bit harsh. And it does go for, like, that cheesecakey thing, which I said initially. But hmm. I don't know. Like, it just, where it's trying to be cheeky, it doesn't come off as charming. Like, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree I with get you there. what yeah. it's yeah. going for, but it doesn't, like... It should be charming, but it feels more close, like closer to um, skeevy. Pardon? Skeevy. Yes. Yeah, like it is the, it is yeah. the word. And I think that's where it just kind of like rubs me the wrong way. Like I kind of just get this vibe from it that doesn't make me enjoy the cutesy, fun side of it. It just makes me feel like ooh, pet touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what did you think of it? Um, first, I want to say I, I really, really enjoyed the art uh, by Terry and Rachel Dodson a lot. Uh, really, really beautiful, kind of pin-up-y, uh, like Bob said, good girl kind of stuff. I positively adore just the colors and, and the character design. And, you know, for all of the, the sexiness and all of that stuff, I just think that they, they do it in spades and they mm-hmm. do it very well. Uh, my problems with the book came when I, I I like I like the character. Like I like the main character or what we got of her. Um I like I like in that she's she's very confident. She's very she's obviously very accomplished in her background and in there's um her introductory scene. 
she is she's aware of what she's doing and she completely does it on purpose. She even says like, you know, I was just joking around. I was just trying to get a rise out of them. And besides I'm just human. She is, um, very sexually driven. Um, you can see from like her actions throughout the book. She does live with, um, a series of people that from what I got personally from the panels that we were, we were treated to in this book of her experience with those characters is that she might be involved in kind of a open relationship, multiple partners kind of deal. But she, like, that's her choice, and that's what she's doing, and she owns it, and that's who she is. And I'm fine with all of that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because I get a sense of that she genuinely enjoys those things. You know, she's tempted with something a little bit farther into the book. And she's kind of like fascinated by it and almost even a little jealous. Mm-hmm. Like the concept of being paid to do X, Y, and Z. She's like, really? Like I could be doing that instead of risking my life mm-hmm. doing this stuff? Maybe I'm in, you know, the wrong racket. Um, but my problem, my hesitations uh, with the book is that every time I feel like I was reading um, like a confident, strong character who was displaying this prowess of just being very able was constantly running into characters that were creeping me out. And it seemed like every, you know, and I'll focus on it for a minute, but it seemed like every male character with the exception of maybe one, I'm not entirely sure had either done something or said something to completely negate all those other, all those things that I previously mm-hmm. learned about her, and I, she kind of just rolled with it. And it would have been really cool if, instead of like letting just like water off a duck's back, if she had corrected those people right. or bristled or, a little bit, yeah, bristled a little bit, yep. staked her claim, said like, you know, listen, I am who I am because I've done this, and guess what, I can do it better than your best guy. That would have been something bobby yeah i mean i i just like i don't know i don't think every character has to have that attitude no you know what i mean like yeah like i want to see that in a story with certain characters you know but like she doesn't seem to care what anybody thinks of her at all no i i I said that before yeah yeah, yeah, no but i mean i'm saying but in this in this instance like so why would she care what some small-minded person has to say about her, you know? Um, Again, I'm not, I I feel like I'm defending the book, but I have, I have many. I want to ask, like, do you think maybe something, I mean, this isn't obviously exactly the same as something like the Americans, but Carrie Russell's character in that is like almost a complete opposite of this. uh, And yet comes across as more um, effective and strong and Mm -hmm. better at what, they're kind of almost setting out to do in this book, but like, you know, in quieter ways. Do you think maybe because mm-hmm. we've been um, exposed to shows like this already um, in a different way that we're a little bit biased? It's possible. I, you know, because I think, like I said before, like we are very used to now quiet, reserved, more thoughtful spy stuff, whether it be the current Bond movies whether it be Velvet, whether it be the Americans, you know, th- these kind of stories. And I think this story is going for something completely opposite. Mm-hmm. It has no, it has no, 
no qualms. It doesn't want to be subtle. It doesn't want to be. It doesn't want to be deep. It just wants to be, like you said, in a way, men in the, the ex, that exploitation type mm-hmm. of, of film. Um, and so I think that there is a disconnect there, maybe between what readers want to read and what and what they're getting in, in, in a book like this. There was also a contradiction, and like Steve pointed out, where you're looking at in those sort of movies, in those Bond movies, as Bond is protagonist, the women he beds or whatever mm-hmm. are attracted to him. There's a different look they give him than these gentlemen, using the term loosely, look at Vera. Yeah. There's a, and that that starts to get. But guys are like lecherous, like sickos. Yeah. So like yeah. that's that's yeah. the difference, though. I guess. But if we're reversing. Well, yeah, but I don't field, think. It, but I, I don't think it needs to be like like you know Stephanie talked about uh, in Spider Gwen. I don't want her to be like just gender bent James Bond. You know, like that's. That's not what I would want from a character mm-hmm. like right. that. You know, I would want, like, if listen, because I, I think, like, I think that the, where the book fails is that it's not, like you said, it's not commenting on what we're seeing, right? It's kind of just there, and it's saying, like, if you're looking at these guys looking at her lecherously, and you're thinking, this is the way the writer is perceiving her, you know, like, that that he is looking at her lecherously. Yes. Be- but you know, to, to me, especially especially that very last panel, I got the sense that you're supposed to be disgusted by that guy. That's the sense that I got reading, oh, absolutely. reading that last panel. Um, and, and so I, I feel like uh, it's all about how you how you kind of interpret those characters. Are they are you supposed to be like are they re- are they representing the author's views on all of this, mm-hmm. or is the main character representing the. Or is he representing views. the author's views of the audience? Maybe at the book. exactly. Maybe yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you know, maybe, maybe we're going way deeper than probably yeah, the yeah. book ever wants us to. But yeah, I see, just, sorry. I just don't know. Like I don't know where she lands, and that's kind of my my mm-hmm. problem with following this this character into another issue is what I got from her at the start of the book with all of her accomplishments and her display of like her physicality and what she's able to do. I mean, her introductory scene is pretty damn cool, but there's also this overwhelming confidence, especially somebody who's aware of their own sexuality and the way that they can, you know, bait men and so on and so forth. And I see her having fun with all of that and I see her using it to her advantage, but I also don't view her as somebody that would take too much shit because you don't really get to where she is or be as accomplished as she is, especially in a in a military of like a man's world, mm-hmm. without asserting yourself. And because that assertion was never there, I kind of don't know. I don't know what to make of her in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the 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 spy stuff, the the concept of the book, not to just focus on all of that stuff. Um, the idea of of wanting to give like the americans uh, a new superhero and and so on uh i think is is the concept conceptually is really cool uh i just wish i had a better grasp on who i was reading and i didn't feel so removed from it like you said before like we're kind of just watching it happen i i would like to be closer so that I, I I did know how she felt about being thrust into this situation because mm-hmm. we get a lot of like surprise and and almost um, like a not wanting to do it but she's just rolling yeah why are you just rolling because mm-hmm. it's your job like I, I don't know yeah I mean I, and again like I 
I've been playing, you know, kind of like prodding the conversation along because I, I wanted to get these points out. Mm-hmm. Like, I have the same issues with you guys have the book mostly as well. Like, I think that it is a cool concept, this idea of like, let's set up a, a, a you know, a, a Soviet spy as a superhero to give the the world a better view of what Ru- who Russians are like. I think that's a really cool idea. Um you know, I like the idea that like she doesn't want to be there, that she that she thinks she's a soldier, she's not an undercover officer, like she doesn't want to do this job. Um uh and, and you know, I, and I I like the idea of like a sexually free character. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that I feel like those scenes, there's a few of them that I feel like feel like I feel like if there've been like two less of them, it would have been a more palatable mm. read because I feel like they start getting thrown in just to like say like hey this is who, like keep reinforcing to you like she she's very sexually free you know and and to me like that regardless of gender is not a very interesting way no. show me do what you're you know but it's the first issue so we can keep this as a running theme that's fine but don't throw it at me so Every much four pages yeah right um but uh yeah so I you know I liked it but I I think it's I was talking with someone this week about it and talking about kind of this discussion of like sexualization versus sexuality and like you know because you know i don't think any of us want to see like every character be have their top button buttoned and and, and you know be dry mm-hmm. um not that you there you could only be dry or sexual like right. it's not that's not it's not a it's not a binary situation but no. there's got to be space for for all types of stories so you know but there's a line right and i don't and i was talking about this i don't think that because this person asked me like where is that line you know, and I said, well, I don't think that you can really, you can't like define it in a dictionary, but you know it when you see it, you know, you know it when it's crossed the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Stephanie, do you think that this book kind of crossed that line, you know, that it was, it was sexualizing the character instead of having a character who was just sexual? Yes. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think it was intentional. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's every now and again uh, where you just see like, you, you just know there's a a creator that just doesn't give a crap and it's just like, yeah, women sexualizing it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Eric Larson. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, like this doesn't intentionally cross the line, but it does because it like tries too hard. Um, I think the, that's the whole flaw with this book is it's, it doesn't, like it's not written organically. It's trying too hard to be something that it's not, um, and I think that's where a lot of the kind of stiffness in everything is stemming from. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah, because yeah, it isn't just the art in this case. It's the story that undercuts the art mm-hmm. that could be playful with different placement of characters, different word balloons, different direction. You have something else. I. I know it, we're doing radio, so having having two covers here is too. But people can Google them, whatever. For me to show you the, the the cross of the line, I have in front of me Power Girl number one, which is Amanda Connor's cover, and it's Power Girl in the outfit with the window, with a huge smile on her face, and posed rather respectfully for a character wearing a swimsuit <laughs> with the, the the cleavage visible. And then it's World's Finest eighteen, which is the issue that made me stop buying it, and it's her in the same outfit. Of course, but posed ridiculously with stuff hanging out everywhere and a grimace on her face and stuff everywhere. And it's like, there's a line. And inside it was it was even worse because every shot of Power Girl in this issue is her leaning with her chest. Mm-hmm. 
So it can be done playfully. Amanda Connor is one of those people, as is Adam Hughes, as is Terry, Rachel Dodson, Dave Stevenson, Matt Baker before them, who respect and love the female figure and want to show it in the most beautiful way possible. And it is not a, as you say, covered up head to toe Victorian. It can be done well. A nude can be classy. I remember I was discussing a Dave Stevens book long ago when I first came yeah. on and we were discussing, maybe it was even Zenoscope, and I pulled open a page of Dave Stevens' nude drawings that didn't look as cheesy as semi-clothed Zenoscope covers. Yeah, I've got um, I've got a Bruce Tim book, the um, the Good Girl Art yes. uh, collection. Yeah, I know the book well. Yes, that he's got, and I mean, you know, that is pretty much all nudity, and and it's gorgeous. Like I don't have I, you know, to to jump off of what Bobby said before. I mean, I have no, I take no issue with characters that have like a strong sexuality or pra- or have like, you know, uh, I don't want to say outlandish sexual practices, but just sexual practices outside of what people consider to be like the normal situation and stuff like that. Like that was one of the things that actually I felt made um, her character, Vera's character different or, or incorporated some of that more Bondy stuff. Um, I was watching some of the Bond movies recently. And I mean, the way that, that the, the men and women get along in those movies is ludicrous, but it was fine back then, Mm -hmm. you know, it also could be, admittingly, for at least for myself, just with everything going on lately, especially at the last couple of months with all the, the fire that's come back with, you know, women in the industry and trying to, you know, make some really good like steps forward and stuff like that. When you read something like this that might not hit all of the marks when like I'm in that mode of like fighting for, for something and believing in something and believing in the progress being made and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To see something that like you're you're enjoying it and it's cool and it looks beautiful and you know you're kind of digging on the vibe and it's the seventies and people were you know a bit more freewheeling with stuff like that, but then you got these dudes that come into the story that you're just like, ugh, and it it could just be that jumping off of other things that have been discussed in the past couple of weeks that I'm extra sensitive to mm-hmm. it. Um, it could be something that I go back and I, I read at a different time and it doesn't feel as lecherous to me. Um, and I totally agree. They don't want you to like those characters. That's to me, that was very obvious, but that didn't change the sensation of disgust that I got from them and to not have the character address it. It kind of unnerved me a little bit. I want to like you. You want something for a character. I want to see her like grab the tie knot of that character and like pull him up to her face and just say something really cool. You know, like she can be whoever she wants to be outside of that, but you don't get to do that. Yeah, you to don't me. define me, right? Yeah, I am far more accomplished, and I will kick your ass. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's why you brought me here. You know, don't don't mess around with me, you know, so I, you know, I can't talk about the last panel because try not to spoil stuff for people. But I kind I want to see that how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and the other thing I want to say, too, is that, you know, a lot of time we, we talk about this stuff, we're talking about uh superhero characters right 90 percent of the time that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about when we talk about these issues because uh, they're characters who are, are well defined and have cores that need to be honored and they need to be respected and th- like here p- people who are heroes like power girl they, they should be leading with the characters to make them 
to make their ability shine, not what makes their sexuality yes. shine. Um, when you're talking about a story like this, which is um, w- which is new, right? You know, maybe she doesn't. And again, this is this is just this is not really talking about this story. This is talking about stories in general. But maybe she doesn't start the way that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But if she gets there, that's also a viable way to write a story. You know. But I think the main issue with this book is that let's face it. I mean, look, they're drawn respectfully, but. I think part of it as well is that Adam Hughes's characters are incredibly Adam Hughes Terry, Terry Dodson's does. character. <laughs> she's an incredibly sexy character, you know. So I think it's it's more it, it's more like immediate to you because because she she is so physically beautiful. Um, and I think that you know, th- like I said before, there is no point of view to w- what the author mm-hmm. is writing, and maybe that's what Dodson is going for, you know, um, and that's what uh, Dorison is going for mm-hmm. uh, as well. They, that, that you know, maybe they're going for that idea. I mean, that's famously why some people criticize Martin Scorsese movies, right? Is because they don't, he doesn't comment on these sleaze balls that he's, he just shows you what they're like. Yep. And you're, you just have to like take it as you will. And you take your own yep. thoughts and feelings into what's going on. Again, I'm not trying to compare this guy to Martin Scorsese. I'm just saying, like, um, I, I think there's things to think about as far as story. But I do agree. I think it does cross the line in, in a few places. Um, I just. I would love to say like I want to see it in in a bigger context of the story, but when you write a first issue, and this is the other problem with it, when you write a first issue, you want people to know, not beat for beat, but you want to be you know the spirit of what you're going to be writing and what they're going to be buying, right? To invest for another six weeks, you know, six months, whatever, a year, whatever, two years, however long your run's going to be, and I don't think it does a good job uh, for me personally of uh, you know of establishing that, so. Yeah. Do I have any last words on Red One? Ick. <laughs> I keep thinking of that Simpsons episode of Mr. Plow where they're at the car show and the guys are going up, do you come with the car? <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's, she, she titters or laughs. <laughs> oh, man. Stephen, do you have anything else you wanted to say about the book? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, so we had, uh, we had a few... Um, I have a question. Yes. What's our next shared book of the week? Oh, I was going to go over the listener reactions. Then I was, apologize, then. then. I, was gonna go <laughs> I jumped the gun. You did. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. It's all right. I'm finding the listener reactions first before we uh, we go into what we're going to do next week. Um, so uh, these people used hashtag TCBOTW to uh, let us know what they thought of Red One. Uh, this is at Joe State DX said, I thought Red One was good overall. It's a great premise. The lead is charismatic and it pokes fun at the 80s cliche. Um, at the Brad Pinder says, Red One, wordy book. It kind of lost me, sadly, because I really wanted to like this book. I'm going to cleanse and try and read it again. Um, this is uh, at Chris Fabulous. He says, uh, Red One, good, the good. A plus art, representation of poly relationships, bad, flat dialogue, false feel to characterizations. Um, uh, so he's, and he asked the question: um, Am I sensing sex negativity in these responses to the to the book to the book, or was it just a lame exploitive book? Hopefully, we did a good job of giving you our opinions yeah. uh, on that. Um, this was uh, Giant Monsters Attack says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So good. Um, I think there will be more to. Oh wait, sorry. I loved its cheeky sauciness, though. Felt guilty about it. Can I be a perv and maintain my feminist credentials? <laughs> um, I think there will be more to it than the ex- exploitation flick Boogie Nights thing it had going on, I hope. Um, uh, Daniel H. says, I wanted to like it so much, but it just wasn't good in my opinion. Too much senseless exploitation and a weak premise. 
Uh, at Liberal Bastion says, sorry guys, didn't like this one at all. It seemed much more interested in titillating than telling a story. Um, Red Batman, who's at Y2 Carl, uh, said, I wanted to like it more. Love the concept and the art. The writing was off, disjointed. Hate all the sexual stuff. Um, at a stimu- Stimuli File says, Dotson's art is great in Red One, but I didn't totally buy into the plot and the hypersexualized, hypersexualized female superhero is a tired trope. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, at uh, AGGRGI says, haven't read that one, but Frankenstein Underground is a really, really good. <laughs> um, and we also got some responses uh, uh, on our forums. Um, what, one, Pacino was very angry at Bob for picking it because he was going to skip it. And now he's oh, excited yeah, to buy read it. it. That's before he read it, that, though. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, this is a. This is a. Tr- I don't know how to. Tr- Tris Harg on the forums. Yeah. I read Red One and didn't really like it. It has its moments, but I don't like how the female lead is portrayed. It's it's this she's not like the other girls trope that bugs me. She is so cool and okay with everything and over the top it feels unreal. She's too much of a gender switch James Bond for me. It somehow doesn't work. It seems forced. And in the end when she's trying out the new outfit, arg, that was just unnecessary. <laughs> um and shows that she's really just there to please male fantasies and be strong, a strong relatable woman. Um I really like the Soviet Russia has to save America um, and the land of sin analogy. That was fun to see another side of the coin. The art is also superb. I don't think I'll pick up another issue though. Um, and Pacino also says, I also did not like red one. It felt disjointed as a story and I don't get what the point of some of the sex was. It just felt thrown in there. Um, so thank you guys so much yeah. for, for, uh, for uh, ringing in for us. Um, also, why does she have to pay that dude to have sex with him? Like, I'm pretty sure she's gorgeous. Like, <laughs> why, why did she need to be like hey $200 to have sex with me you're gonna not be able to do like I mean you could basically do anyone you want but here's $200 throw me a bone like come on um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good wrap up <laughs> yeah uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in thank you to uh, Pacino for starting the thread on the forums yeah. Um so if you guys want to ring in with longer thoughts, make sure you head over there um, and make sure you use hashtag TCBOTW to, on Twitter if you want to talk about it so we can easily find them. Um, next week, uh, Stephanie, you will not be with us, correct? Correct. I will so, be in Seattle, unfortunately. Well, I'm not unfortunately. I'm very excited to go to Seattle, but unfortunately <laughs> to be missing this. Gotcha. Well, since you're not going to be here, uh, well, the mice are away, the Grant Morrison... Well, the cat's away. The Grant Morrison mice will play. That's how the phrase goes. Um, we're going to be doing Multiversity Ultra Comics number yes. one. Um, should be a, a deep, confusing conversation. <laughs> did you ever end up re- uh, reading Nameless number two? I did not, no. Okay. I got to go back. I, I, every time I read the next issue of that, I have to go back and read the one before it. Did you get it or are you trading oh, it? I got it. Okay. I got it. Um, so I'll definitely be reading it, but I'll probably, I, may, I might collect a few of them and then, and then plow through it. Um, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So we'll be doing uh, Multiversity uh, Ultra Comics number one for our TCBOTW next week. So make sure, again, awesome. you use that hashtag at Talking Comics. Um, so that's coming out next week. Uh, what else are we excited for next week? Oh, I got my list. Mm-hmm. Bob has a list here too. Let's, let's ask Bob. Bob, what, what's, tell me something you're excited for this week. Well, Red Sonia is always fun, and we get two shots at Red Sonia by Gail Simone this week because Conan Red Sonia number three is also out. Uh, Multiversity Ultra was certainly on my list, and sadly, I think we're one more Nightcrawler. 
Oh. I think oh. this may be the last one. So say goodbye to Chris Claremont and Nightcrawler mm. for the foreseeable future. Mm. Steve, what are you excited for? There aren't a lot of number ones. No. Um, I was putting together the list for our reviewers, and it was... Uh, I had to search. Mm-hmm. Like, I really had to look. Um, but as far as books that I'm looking forward to picking up, I'm looking forward to picking up uh, The Black Hood, number two. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Gotham Academy, number six. Uh, the last issue of Electra, Electra number 11, uh, is getting released. New Avengers 32 is coming out. Um I mean, the run was exciting, but now things are really heating up. We have very little time left before the end. And uh, I just want to see what the hell everybody thinks of the big reveal from last issue. It'll be interesting to see the characters' opinions. And uh, last but certainly not least on my list is a new book from Matt Kint called Pastaways, number one. That is uh, coming out Wednesday. Nice. See, I thought that was about spaghetti. (laughs) I like me some Ken. It, lo- it's a, it looks like a team book. Uh, I didn't really read the synopsis, but I, um, I'm usually always willing to. I haven't seen much of his Valiant stuff, but his independent uh, stories, stuff like mind management and whatnot, um, I know that's ending soon. The first issue of the last arc was released, so I'm curious to see if uh, Pastaways is where he'll be hanging his hat for a while. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Stephanie, are you excited about anything that's coming out this week? No. No, <laughs> that's not true at all. Um, let's see. Oh, Gotham Academy number six. Hashtag Pizza Club. You'll all know. Um, I don't even know. No, you'll know. You'll know what I mean. You'll all see right. it. You'll read it, and you'll be like, ah, hashtag Pizza Club. Um, all right. All right. Gem and the Holograms number one, which mm. I think is going to be fantastic. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Really cool fact. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ross Campbell, who was on. He did Glory, and now he's doing the Gem and the Holograms art. Ooh. But uh, I, I say he, but actually, I'm being very uh, rude at the moment. He, she, uh, came out as trans. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, Ross is now going by Sophie Campbell on Twitter and everything too, um, and officially has made the switch to uh, being a she. And um, I want to commend her for taking that really admirable and big step in a community that can be amazing, but also horrifying. Um, And I wish her the best of luck uh, with that, as well as Gem and the Holograms number one, which I do believe will be amazing. Right on. Um, Transformers Windblade Combiner Wars number one. That's probably all shocking everyone, but I thought that the Windblade stuff was really well done and um i'm curious to see if that continues to be the case with this new series launching um let's see there's new wicked and the divine coming out and um big thunder mountain railroad just kidding not excited uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last two disney uh, kingdoms books were good though no they weren't oh <laughs> them's fighting words <laughs> Um, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. Except <laughs> um, even read them. There was something no, she didn't. I know. I know she didn't read them. I read both I of them. Did actually? Thank did you, you very much? But you didn't like Figment. <laughs> um, Effigy number three. I'm really looking forward to. I thought was the first two issues were really interesting. So that is something else that I'm looking forward to. Cool. Yep. 
Um, what about Dave, you, Bobby? Dave number two comes out. Yeah, which I'm psyched about. I loved Dave number one. Um, really, I'm more excited than I ever thought I'd be. So about that book. So I'm. That's probably one of the first things I'm going to read this week. I'm also interested in Gem and the Holograms. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that will be cool. Um, was well, I don't know how I'll get it right now because it's. I don't know if I have the dough right now, but. Um, the hardcover of uh, Sex Criminals is coming out. Oh, yes. It's called Big Hard Sex Criminals. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's that's coming out, which I'm excited about that as well. Um, you know, there's a couple of image number ones. There's the Big Man Plans book coming out, which anytime an image number one comes out, I, even if I, I don't really look up on them, I just gra- grab them usually. Um, Witches number five is is coming out this week as well, which I'm super excited about, of course. Mm. Um Let's see what else. I saw something else that I was looking Ooh, at. That I was... Did you hear? Did you see Murder Book? No. Oh, it's like um, uh, it's a crime anthology that's done by Ed Brisson, Simon Roy, Vic Maholtra, Michael Walsh, Johnny Christmas, Declan Shelby, um, a bunch of amazing people from Dark Horse, and it's um, yeah, it's uh, like crime comics. Cool. Ooh. I think that that's what Ed Brisson was doing before he like. Became, yeah. yeah, right? So, yeah, he's been working on this for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, there was something else that I saw in here that I wanted to mention, which now I seem to not be... Oh, Daredevil number 14 is coming out. Yeah. So anytime that comes out, it's... It's a big, like, regular... Like, a lot of books that I, that I read just normally mm-hmm. that aren't, like, you know big reveal number ones or whatever. There's a lot of, like, in-the-rotation books coming out this week. This is actually a really big week. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty big week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm excited about as well. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Uh, if you guys want to get in contact with us and tell us about... No, Stephanie, I know. I'm, I'm not... Don't worry. I'm not going to let you do your thing. Okay? Everybody's on your ass tonight. I'm not, I'm not at the point... We're not at the, the promoting point yet, okay? I'm sorry. I just jumped the gun. I'm excited. I have all of this stuff I always have to go through before. Yeah. I was going to let you go last so that people <laughs> didn't get lost in the shuffle. Okay, all right? Bobby. I'm sorry. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. As you were. Go ahead. So, um, if you guys want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And talkingcomicbooks.com is the website where you can go and see all of our great articles, reviews, columns, and of course, our bevy of podcasts. Um, We have The Misfits, uh, which normally stars Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood, but uh, rotating cast for a while, right, Stephanie? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mara and Katie and Maria tackled uh, what we talked about last week a bit, uh, the Bat- Batgirl controversy and all that. So um, if you guys know anything about Mara, Maria, and Katie, it's that they will tackle it with uh, grace and in a very eloquent way. So if you haven't listened, do so. Yeah. And um, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, check out uh, Mara and Maria's new column on Talking Comics, mm-hmm. uh, Vocal Minority, uh, which... Uh, I am very excited to read uh, as they put it out over, over the coming weeks and, and months. Um, of course, I'm talking Valiant w- with Adam Shaw. We have talking movies with Brian Verderosa, Nick Scalia, and uh, Chris Oliphant. Uh, they did Chappie last week. They just did um, a, b- a movie called Hardware. They're doing robot movies, and they're going to do The Iron Giant as well. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, check that out. Uh, they've been doing a great, great job uh, w- with that show. Um, of course, 
talking games. Yeah. Some some big games came out this week. Oh, yeah. You guys got some stuffs to talk about. Mm. Um, so make sure you tune in uh, for that. <laughs> Making lots of uh, sensual noises and thoughts of those games. <laughs> Thursday at noon is when that show drops for you. Yeah. Um, we also have the Talking Comics Special Edition feed, which uh, right now features uh, audio versions of Comics and Coffee, um, which is live every Friday morning at 9 a.m., um, and also uh, audio versions of Backup Stories, uh, Justin Townsend and Robin Neumeyer's uh, comic book show that they do as well. Both those go up on Friday, so make sure to check those out uh, as, as well. Um, am I forgetting... We have a lot of podcasts. Am I forgetting? No, I don't think so. No, you're good. I think I covered all the podcasts. Brute and Borden. <laughs> nice interview with the Usually you ask me what week. we're talking about on the show. Oh, that's that's right. the part we skipped. Yeah, I, yeah. but I figured games. Yeah, no, I don't even. I, Rob's hosting. I have no idea what he has planned. <laughs> I'll be talking about Ori in the Blind Forest and Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yeah. Um, and oh, yeah. Stephanie has interviews oh, yeah. going up. Uh, the, with the double clicks, right, mm-hmm. Stephanie? Yeah, it, was, it went really, really well. They were awesome. They were lots of fun. And... Uh, they came up with a really, really great band of fictional characters. Oh, really? Um, that you will have to listen to to find out about. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so those are all of our podcasts and 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 stuffs that you guys can you guys can check out. Um, Stephanie, uh, you are going to be at Emerald City uh, this weekend, but you're not just attending, are you? No, I'm not. I will be there. Uh, doing numerous things. I'll be hanging out at Bill Willingham's booth at J01, but I'm also doing a panel. Um, If you guys remember back to September, I was on a panel in Toronto um, called Gigs and Careers in Phantom and Geek Geek Culture, in which me and several other women talked about careers you could get into, uh, not just specific to uh, writing and drawing comics. And we're bringing that panel to Seattle Um, Because it went really, really well, and a lot of people requested that we, um, you know, do it at other shows for people who couldn't make it um, to the one in September. So um, we have myself moderating, because I've already done the panel before, Um, then Jody Hauser is on board. She... Uh, this one, this panel is actually incorporating a bit of comic stuff, too. Jody Hauser is the writer of the Orphan Black comic. Um, Jen Abrahamian, who's going to be talking a little bit about what she does. Hope Nicholson is a, a small press publisher. She did like Novana and Brock Windsor. She republishes old comics. Sam Meggs, who's uh, a journalist at like the Mary Sue. Um, she's on things like MTV and um, here in Canada at the Cineplex is our big theaters. And she's one of the pre-show hosts. And uh, we'll also have Shannon Woodhouse, um, who is in charge of running and creating all of the Rat Queens merchandise. So she'll be talking about what it is she does. Uh, and that is going to be on Saturday, March 28th at 4.50 um, in Hall E, room TCC303. Awesome. I put all the info in the show notes, too. Cool. So you can check it out there. Nice. Awesome. Well, good luck with that, Stephanie. Yeah. I'm very, very excited you should try to record the yeah. 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 I'm hoping. Emerald City's pretty good about having somebody around to record panels. Cool. Um, so I- I'm really, really excited. I think uh, it's not just because I'm on the panel, but I think there's a lot of valuable informa- information to be uh, gathered at these things. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, good luck, Stephanie. And uh, if ever- obviously people are at Emerald City. Come say hello. Yes, please do. I will be around um, mostly at the booth for 
the most part. So come say hi. I'm weird. You don't have to be afraid of me. I won't bite. I might lunge, but you know, <laughs> that's to be expected. <laughs> um, and this is still a little bit far away, but we are what? What? What's this? Is what? April basically. We're basically in April almost, right? So, um, in about five months. We will hit episode 200 yeah. of the Talking Comics podcast. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so uh, we will want to do another live show. Um, and I always hope, hope, hope it will be, we can make it a little bit bigger than last time. So if anybody's interested in, in something like that, let us know. If we get a bunch of responses, we can start to plan something. Um, so just send an email, you know, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com and, and, you know, use subject line episode 200 and just let me know what you guys would be interested in. Obviously, we're going to have to have it in New York uh, because that's where we're all from, mm-hmm. except for Stephanie. Um, Go to Toronto! Hopefully we'll be, able to, uh, we'll be able to get Stephanie down here for the 200th episode. So let us know how many you'd be interested in coming, you know, what would you like to see, and hopefully maybe we can start to organize it. The more time, obviously... The better because we can we can try yeah, to figure yeah, stuff out. If we out. need to rent out West Bray Music Fair, or yeah, something. of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rotating stage, theater yeah. in the round, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So just let us know about that, um, and yeah, I want to say thanks. Uh, you know, uh, we get a lot of um, kind words and a lot of um, thoughtful debate about the Batgirl thing last week, um, which I thought was great, and I really really appreciate everyone who chimed in and everyone who. Uh, took their time to discuss it with us and with other people in, in the community. So thank you uh, very, very much. Um, and Bob, do you have anything to interrupt me with? Before we yes, okay. but it's a, it's a little far out. We need to get some more information. Okay. but Because it's not going to show up everywhere. I, From our listener and husband of my boss, mm-hmm. uh, Angela, Dave Johansson works over at our local Costco here in Holbrook. For, so for you local folks, in April 18th, Peter David will be signing... <laughs> at Costco. It's a Marvel <laughs> Universe history book, and they'll, I guess they'll have a pallet of them to be signed. But you'll be able to get a lot of access to Peter where you might not at a local convention because it's just going to be down the street and he could nearly walk there from his house because mm-hmm. he lives right around here. So as I get more information, because it's one of these places you have to be a member to, but I have an in, so we'll see what <laughs> we can't we can't wrangle for people who want to go see Peter Dave and get his new book signed. Bob will sneak you in the back. Yeah. yeah. Shh. In at Costco. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple stories we didn't hit this week. There was that Avengers cover that came out with all like the black spaces, all the cutout mm-hmm. spaces. Um, we, we'll, talk, we'll try to talk about that, that next week. We'll try to pontificate on who might be on, on that cover. Um, and for that listener who really, really cares about this, we all kind of like the Supergirl costume. Yeah. <laughs> Could be a little more colorful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she looks amazing. Yeah, yeah I think she looks good. great. Yeah. I don't think the show's going to be great. Yeah. I love those other shows, so sign me up. But uh, yeah, I just think it... I wish their costume was brighter, but I think it looks like Supergirl, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. You know, so yeah. there you go. That's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Um, I guess before we go, we should give away our personal information. I feel like all I've been doing is giving away information. I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve, I am at Dead underscore Anchorus. Stephanie, I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob, Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, and that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve, later, Bob. I'll pick better next time. And Stephanie, bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.